Okay, welcome to the Bitcoin Lobby. Today is May 25th, 2023. I'm here with uh, special co-hosts, uh, Renegade Butcher, Bevo, and Bittish, uh, taking the place of Seth, who is out today. He's uh, got some family obligations. He's going camping with his family a day early. And so we appreciate you guys joining. Um, so uh, you guys got stuff, you, uh, any, anything written down you want to talk about? Uh, I haven't, but I see puzzles in there. How are you going, mate? What's just, happened, puzzles? Um, I've made a decision. I'm going to buy two miners, man, and I'm going to ship them to Australia. Fucking unmute yourself. <clears throat> can I? That's can bad, I, man. I'm, I'm huh? trying to do the same, but fucking Bitmean is kind of sketchy. Yeah, well, I'm a bit nervous because you've had that problem. Has that been resolved yet, or? No, these fuckers at Upstream, man. Um, what was the like, issue? So, um, like, I had, like, bought, like, an ASIC uh, S19 Pro Plus a while ago, and um, I had, like, plugged it in for a little bit to test it out, but it wasn't, like, it didn't really make sense at the time, you know? Like, I didn't have the solar panels installed on my roof, and, you know, I just kind of wanted to secure the 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 miner and so like i had it running for a few weeks everything was good and then fast forward to like a month ago or whatever like a few weeks ago i uh you know got my solar turned on so i started hashing again and one of the boards went and actually since then two of the boards went so i reached out to these guys and they were like oh go to bitme insight and type in the serial number and check the warranty so i did that and then i saw like a like i got like a notification that they wouldn't honor the warranty because of mixed hash boards. I'm like, so I asked them what the hell that was. And I went into the settings and like, I hadn't really been going into the Antminer interface cause I was using brains. So I was using their GUI to like manage the miner and tune in and stuff. And then in the um, Antminer settings, it said that it had like a S17 control board. So I called these guys out on it. I'm like, what, what the hell? Like, you know, like I was trying to buy the premium air-cooled miner at the time. And it looks like I got some refurbished unit that doesn't have like a warranty. And like nobody told me that. Like, what's going on? And these guys are kind of leaving me hanging. So I have it running, but only one board's working. Right now, so I'm getting like 35 terahash, but I I want to get like two new ones and like figure out how I can repair this other one, you know, while I'm hashing with the two new ones. But yeah, it's kind of a disappointing outcome, and Bitmain is like a pain in the ass to deal with. So that's a bummer. Isn't isn't Bitmain that was Jihan Wu, right? Yeah. That's his company? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what you get, you know, doing business with a big blocker. <laughs> I think he stepped well, down as CEO. Or he, he's not the CEO anymore. That He was removed a couple of years ago. I don't know if it was voluntarily or by some other uh, people higher up or something or company decision, but I don't think he's like the... Well, apart from Bitmain, where else would you go, Puzzles? Well, like a lot of people who have been pushing the what's minor, 
but they don't get nearly as, as good efficiency. And, like, the name of the game for me is, like, get the most efficiency with one kilowatt hour, you know? Like, I have... Yeah. You know, and I plan to do that over time, like, because I have the solar now. So, like, over the next 25 years, as the efficiency of these miners get better, which I don't see them. We talked about that before. We, I don't see them getting that drastically that much better compared to, like, the previous generations, you know, the increments of how fast they. Yeah, it's uh, going to plateau. Diminishing returns, yeah. Diminishing returns, yeah. So, um <clears throat> shit man it's just like uh i think like no matter what like i know uh jack has got blocked doing some new ones but i think you just kind of got to roll the dice for the mo like i told you way back in the day i was mining and like the s19s are like the ak-47s of of miners they just run but I'm, I'm like trying to find someone else that's running s19s because i don't know if that's the same if like the you know the longevity of these machines are gonna compare, because I maybe I just got a bad egg, you know I don't know. Well, the reason I was gonna buy two is because I'm gonna ship them to Australia. So I figured if one went tits up, at least I got one to keep going, and you know I can make one out of two if one goes pear shaped. But or two. Well, the pricing right now is so good. Like, I want to average down and have, like, I have room to run two in that black box. So, I could do that. Yeah, that seems odd that it'd have a S17 board or or whatever components inside it. And that seems just seems shady to me. Whether or not they changed the board from the 17 to the 19, you know, just because that was only a controller. He, he, like this guy, the guy that responded was saying like, oh, that's because of the supply chain constraints. They, they did that and it's not under warranty. And I'm like, that makes no sense. If anything, it should be under warranty and it should have been disclosed. Like, why am I being told this now when I'm like having problems? Like, what the fuck? This is ridiculous. Sounds like freaking Ford trying to find their way out of filling in a warranty. Oh, supply chain issue, so we put the wrong part in, and but that violated our terms, so now you don't get a now you don't get a warranty, even though we did it. Uh, it sounds like some bullshit. I know next to nothing about miners. I haven't dove into that world, but uh, have you looked at ASICs? I've heard that they're they're up there with with efficiency, and uh, that might be another good a good path to look at. What was it now? I've heard a lot of good things about ASICs. If you don't want to mess with. Uh, with those guys aren't they a different don't they come from a different company? well like asics are like the chip so it stands for application oh, specific integrated circuit so like i thought there like, was actually some asic brand miners okay that's just like the type of chip and it's like designed to do one thing and one thing only and so there's only a few manufacturers it's like literally two manufacturers for the shea 256 asic out like you know algorithm um well, the 256, Shea 256 algorithm, like there's only like a few chip manufacturers, fabricators. And, you know, Intel actually just kind of folded their cards. They were going to be one. And I guess Block bought out their interest in their chip fabrication plant or whatever. And, um, and Intel never got to consumer, did they? It was all just more of the, uh, they were selling to the industry, the industrial size miners, right? Or were you able I, don't to even, buy? 
I don't even know if they were even selling them. Like, they were, like, still right. R&D kind of stuff. Because it's, like, to set up, like, the manufacturing plant, like, you got to, like, do the fabrication first. And, you know, um, that's the most expensive and tough part. And then you, like, kind of, they get, like, royalties in a sense, like, over time to pay for all that um, R&D. And then they can, like, you know, other, they can choose to let other manufacturers produce this. and But it's, like, the whole kind of, that's the secret sauce. And that's why Bitmain, and I don't know the story behind What's Miner. But they're nowhere as close as efficient as yeah. Bitmain. What's minor is actually also Bitmain, sort of, because what happened was one of the lead engineers on at at, at Antminer, uh, they left and created What's Miner. Um, and so there was like a whole lawsuit and everything about uh, What's Miner, uh, you know, copyright or patent or whatever sort of sort of fight going on um but i think that's all been cleared up now but yeah so like what's minor is is essentially uh a bitmain clone yeah so i mean i think when and like i guess like my understanding intel's like whole thing was they were going to sell it by the chip like whether it was like you know x amount of chips at once they were gonna they weren't gonna like produce a final machine they were gonna like let you know, the market, you know, use their goods to create whatever they wanted, but they kind of threw in the towel for whatever reason, and luckily Block kind of scooped it up. I think they got, it might go down as the acquisition of the century, you know, one of them. I, I think it could be really good if they integrate it right, because we had this conversation a while back about just sort of like everything kind of integrating an ASIC into it, right? And so, like, a lot of the components that goes into a miner itself, you know, revolve around not like other sort of things, ancillary things like networking. There's stuff that has to do with uh, cooling components and so on and so forth. So there's like a lot of like other ancillary sort of stuff that has to go into a, a into a like finished miner. But if you have just the chip itself, that's actually doing the hashes and everything like that, but you can integrate it into something else that say for whatever reason, doesn't need cooling or, you know, or, or already sort of has sort of built in cooling or whatever, um, you know, those chips can really, you know, it could change the game. Like think about like, Oh, if your washer and dryer has now an ASIC chip in it, right. If you've got like your, your AC, you know, or, or, or your heating, you know, components of your house have ASICs built into it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it can really change the game if you can just integrate those chips into everything. I was talking about that earlier, yeah. So, like, a bit now, my I have a black box, and, like, the heat is being vented into an electric pool heater. And so the pool heater doesn't even, like, really kick on anymore because it's got a steady flow of hot air. Like, at nighttime, the, the pool would drop in temperature. It's, like, a small pool. But now it just, like, maintains the temperature, you know? Um, so, like, that's just a ghetto way to do it, but... Like you said, once like things are built in, it really. I saw a guy up north that was uh, was heating his chicken coop in the winter with an ASIC. I thought that was fucking genius. What did he do? He was running an ASIC inside of his chicken coop during the winter so he could keep oh. it warm. He was using the the, the spare heat that thing was putting off to keep it warm enough in there for his chickens to keep laying. 
it's huh. crazy because like these things like are more efficient at creating heat than space heaters and whatever, you know, because you get the Bitcoin back. Well, it's, it's proof of work, man. It, it takes a lot of work to, to, you know, move those blocks around. That's, that's what it is. And the more, the more electronics you're running through a device, the more heat it produces. It's just, it's resistance. It's, you can't get past the laws of physics. The more you make something work, the more heat it's going to produce. And man, they do a lot of work. So it's almost like even if they're not efficient, like an S9 isn't really efficient. But if you're you if your your purpose is to generate heat, right? It is cheaper to heat your whatever with an ASIC than it is like an old S9 than it is to have a space heater. So it's like it's especially when you especially when you consider the Bitcoin subsidy that comes from it, right? Like. Just from from a dollar perspective, like dollar electric perspective, you know, it's probably pretty close, if not better. And then you throw on top of the fact that you're getting Satoshis, you know, then that that just seals deal. What if we started building miners into now? This would be a challenge because of humidity buildup and everything. I'm sure it's doable, though. Started building uh, lightweight miners into air conditioning units. So that in a temperate climate during the summer when you've got to run air conditioning, well, obviously you don't want to produce heat, so you're not really running your miner. But during the winter, you can flip that thing over to heat and actually generate heat for your house and get paid to do so. Well, the easiest way, and like it took me a while because I'm not an engineer or like it, like, I don't know. I just don't like think like that, but it's super easy if you just have your ASICs and direct the heat flow into the register of your HVAC. So you don't even like have to do anything different. You have your regular HVAC system and then where, wherever you want, you can like the closer, the better to like the, um, the main system or whatever, but any register that's like, returning air to the HVAC unit, you just um, pump hot air from the ASICs into the return and your HVAC unit isn't going to have to work as hard or it might not even come on after it achieves the temperature. It will hold it oh, much make, better. It makes perfect sense if you have, especially if you have central heat. Um, mine's been out for years, but, but on top of that, uh, where I live, nine months of the year, I don't want extra heat. In fact, I'm fighting it. <laughs> So, like, I don't know if there's incentives where, where you are, but, like, in California, there's all sorts of incentives if you go electric for your heating or air conditioning, right? Like, so you literally get, like, tax credits to do, like, Bitcoin heating. And if you can kind of, if, if you kind of add it in, it's a little hands-on, but it's not as bad as it seems. I think a big hurdle, an interesting hurdle would be trying to figure out how to do in, in like hot climates, you know, how to make these efficient. Because obviously in like cold climates in the northern areas, like Bitcoin heating makes absolute sense. But I wonder if there's any sort of application, you know, that, you know, that that, that would work well, um, you know, whether it has to do with like turbines and, and heat, you know, sort of recirculate using the heat to, to, to run turbines or something different like that to regenerate some electricity sort of like how evs can do like regenerative braking you know something like that um i wonder if there's some sort of application for the for the south uh, for the, absolutely there is you've just, it's just a heat exchanger yeah 
So <clears throat> you've just got to work out how you want to use that. I mean, you've you've stored it when you've made that hot air. You've stored energy, right? So now right. you've just got to capture that energy and put it into a form where you can save it for later. You could almost you... you could create an old school boiler and and do anything steam powered if you really wanted to to boil it down to just actually mechanical work. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's, there's... we think about it. The all the internal combustion engine does is produce heat efficiently. They just harness it. Like I was even thinking about like uh, British, like to what you said. I was even thinking like it's so efficient at producing heat, and you uh, you see all these electric cars coming out. You could literally have these, you know, ASICs, you know, like for the heating in car systems. How crazy would that be? You 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 make Bitcoin every time you drive to the store. Like if you put on your heated seats or if you put on your, you know, like it's just kicking on these ASICs to generate the heat and then it, you know, directs it to wherever it needs to go. You can make them really efficient at like generate or crunching Bitcoin and generating a ton of heat really fast. We could totally make Bitcoin air fryers. Cook you some, cook you some dinner. <laughs> and while that's running for 20 minutes, you're, you're freaking working the blockchain too, baby. <laughs> you could, you could, you could bake your own Bitcoin pizza. Hell yes. This needs to be a thing. Bitcoin pizza ovens. I don't know if, it gets, I don't know if it's going to get that hot because like, I mean, it works good for like a pool. It works good for like a pool to get to like 80, 90 degrees. And okay, that. think about that though. You've got all it. Okay. So the if you did some kind of you... immersion cooling, like, so if you had it in like, like a mineral oil and then you had water pumped through that, which people do that was that was running like a, a circulated uh basically cool like system microwaves and ovens ovens are getting like what you need 400 degrees like that's yeah a lot of heat right but the amount of heat that you put out is in relation to the amount of surface area so if you're running that through a small coil that coil is going to get really hot so if you're if you're normally diffusing that over a huge area, all you have to do is concentrate that heat into a small area. And now instead of putting it into a bunch of fins on a heat sink, we're putting it in the coils to cook a pizza. I know it's doable. It's just it's just down the math. That would, that would be crazy. I know, right? I just don't know if it's going to get that like how many you would have to run like because oh dude, well if I'm only going to run it at 20 minutes at a time, man, shit. How many? How many people are going to drop the money to have like four miners running at one time so they can cook a pizza in 20 minutes and, and, you know, just that, that's the whole time those things are running. So well, here's, the other, here's the other piece of it too, right? Like when you're talking about, you know, hooking up the miners, you're in your head, you're thinking like, okay, an actual physical miner attached to your oven. Right. But like, if you really take apart the, the chassis of it and you take away a lot of the cooling stuff, you're really left with a bunch of boards, right? Which are flat. And then you can really sort of like, arrange them around the oven without seriously increasing the size of the oven um, in, in, in just like in a different format. Right. And then you don't need all of the sort of all the cooling. You don't need the fans. You don't need any of that because you're redirecting all of that well, um, in a different way. We design miners to actually cool as efficiently as possible. So we don't, don't burn the boards out. All you're doing is you're redesigning the cooling system. So instead of air cooling it as efficiently as you can, you would be basically running some sort of uh, a heat transfer, probably, you know, just some sort of coolant coils and transferring as you're actually trying to concentrate the heat, but transfer it to where you want it. So it's just re-engineering. It's, it's all there. It's just 
we'd have to reinvent the minor in a way. Well, like the immersion guys are onto that stuff. Like they're, that's the most. Oh my God. Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin miner sous vide machine, a sous vide circulator. Those only have to get up to about 150, 160 degrees. That's totally doable. Yeah. None of this is doable until we get a constant cheap supply of ASICs chips and that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, that's probably a good point. At least not, yeah, at least not efficiently. Well, one can dream. We're going to have a home appliances company that's just going to specialize in creating all these home appliances that we're using that have little mini ASICs in them, and that we're going to, well, I, to I think kind of subsidize the uh, the energy usage and kind of get get a better return for our energy usage. Uh, I mean, I think if, if, if Block is really going to do what I think what Intel was originally trying to do, which was, you know, be able to integrate ASIC circuits into everyday appliances and other things, I think there's a lot, there's legs to that, right? Like, it's just a matter of them, you know, re-engineering, like, like Granigad said, re-engineering the cooling system, right? And, and rather than it being dissipating heat, you know, into the atmosphere, it's concentrating the heat into a specific application. Yeah. Instead of treating it as a waste product, we actually treat it as well. It, it's similar to what Satoshi was talking about. You know, he's actually using it for an application, but but that's also you're taking basically a byproduct. You're not trying to make that into an efficient use for the heat. If your heat is either your primary goal or equally a goal to mining, oh, you could definitely find a way to harness that better. That's actually a good point, right? If you sort of look at it, the framework where, yeah, heating is no longer the byproduct, but maybe even like Bitcoin is the byproduct, right? And heating is your main goal because like at the end of the day, right, you're talking about applying this into like, let's call it like, think about like every, let's just, you know, apply to every single appliance that requires some sort of heat in your home or, you know, creating some sort of like heat process. Like all of these things, you know, the, there's so many of them. You don't need Bitcoin to be like the main product. Like that can just be a byproduct and it doesn't need to be 100% efficient in getting that um, and while and still maintaining a lot of value. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's about priorities. I mean, shit, you can still mine Bitcoin with a GPU. It's just you're going to produce more heat than you will Bitcoin. But if that's your goal, then then so be it. You know, as long hell, you could have somebody who just has a lottery miner that it, it's also a heated blanket. Here you go, Grandma. You can mine some Bitcoin while you keep your lap warm in the winter. I, th I see the roadblock as being these public, large public miners because they just keep chewing up the newer chips because they're all they do is another fucking capital raising, write shit off, operate with huge amounts of debt. So until we either shake these guys out. <clears throat> Um, or they make chips not available to them, so a company comes up and says, yeah, these aren't for, like, ASIC miners, per se, then I, I can't see us getting hold of chips anytime soon, eh? Again, I don't really want, like, uh, chip shortages, right? So it's like, you know, I want those guys, whoever wants to order some kind of ASIC should just have it readily and available. Like, we should have... You know, lots of competition flooding in the space. We should have a lot more manufacturing going on. You know, another issue is that there's a shortage of uh, engineers who can develop these chips as well. A lot of those people are over overseas too. So, and I know that they, they these countries don't want the, their talent plucked and brought over to the United States as well. So, 
but yeah, I mean, it's just capitalism, right? If there's a if there's a demand for it, someone's going to fill it at some point. We just kind of got to get through the, uh, the beginning stages when everything's kind of like low and everyone's kind of catching up, trying to catch up to the demand. But we'll get there at some point. Well, we're seeing the crunch of it. It's been centralized. It's been what one, two companies that have been producing these chips. So we, of course, when they when they're under a crunch, we're we're gonna feel it. We're all gonna feel it. So maybe we need to focus less on uh, the idea of can't wait till there's more ASIC chips. Maybe we need to look at alternatives. We need to, to diversify, decentralize. We need more guys well, generating these these technologies and finding ways to solve these problems without relying on one chip manufacturer to be the the golden standard. Well, this, this is an issue beyond just ASIC chips, right? Like, ultimately, uh, you know, it, worldwide, there's really only, I want to say, like, two, maybe, I think, like, two chip manufacturers, really, right? Like, the main one is TSMC. Um, and then even then, like, for those guys, for all those chip manufacturers, like, what, you know, what, 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 what their, uh, like, all of their source parts are coming from is just, like, I think there's just like one fact, not one fact, one company that's really making all of this stuff. So it's really coming down to one company at the end of the day. And, you know, so that, that's a, a bigger problem, especially in, you know, as the world moves forward and chips become more and more obviously important in our lives, everyday lives, um, it's just going to become a bigger problem. Yeah, well, I think the US has started on that though. They've started the chip war, haven't they? Bring in the Taiwan companies here and Throwing millions of dollars building those plants in Texas and what have you. So <clears throat> the U.S. government's doing something right on that regard, but I don't think they want the chips for fucking <clears throat> mining Bitcoin. They just want to build more missiles and fucking planes. Sounds like a golden entrepreneurial activity for somebody who wants to end up on a hit list. Yeah. Mate, you imagine the fucking politics behind that, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's got to be worse than the oil. Dude, I mean, the U.S. government's spending fucking shitloads. <clears throat> when they sent uh, Nancy Poloni over to fucking Taiwan. And then they were like, what's she doing there? What's she doing there? And that's when they came out, like, a week or two after she got back, they came out with that chip fucking bill. So, yeah, she was over there lining up all the ducks. She was probably over there playing the stock market and trying to figure out what she should fucking short next. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think the good news is the United States has recognized that there's a problem here, that there's a complete shortage around the world of chip manufacturers. And I think uh, this is a golden opportunity. Plus, I think we also realize that it's important that we do get some chip manufacturers here in the States that way that, you know, if China does invade Taiwan or decides, you know, that they, they, they don't want to play ball with us anymore, that our freaking society would be completely ruined because we no longer have access to chips. And so I think it's just going to be a race from here on out. And we're maybe not hearing much about it just because people are busy, like, you know, setting the foundation and trying to get these uh, foundries or whatever they are called, they're called built, built up and they'll probably just take time. But, you know, as long as, you know, we got capital and we got uh, talent in this country and we've got uh, demand. And so when you have all three of those things, you know, it's just a, just a matter of time before uh, what, that demand gets met with supply. Right. What I can't help but think is is how much old tech is sitting around just rotting that is not necessarily efficient by today's standards at all. But there are literally warehouses. There are, are huge freaking piles of old computers just laying around that are still functional. They're just outdated. 
there's got to be a market for somebody to be able to take apart some of these, at least take the better components, make not efficient, not compact, not small, uh, little miners, but big miners that do the job of a little LASIK, you know, something the size of your average residential refrigerator. And I can t tell you right now, if you can make the price point right, especially during a shortage, there are guys that have an old barn or a couple old warehouses or some extra space. They don't mind letting a few of those sit there and run. And guess what? Because you spread it out, it's actually going to be less of a heat issue because there's more surface area. So, yeah, we may have a crunch. We may have a shortage, but we have a lot of old shit we're not using. And we just feel like we're, we're, we've come too far and we're too good to use it. Well, one of the, one of the issues though around that is like ASICs were like purpose built, right? Because like it's it's not so much you can't just chips aren't just like generic things, right? So like the way the the sort of each of the if you if you kind of like zoom in on a chip, take it apart, look on the insides, how how the metal connects from one piece to another, like all of that matters at like a nanometer sort of like oh absolutely uh, size, right? So like when you when you we have like old inefficient chips and things like that, right? Like those are inefficient at like a, a, you know, a nanometer sort of level. And so those differences today are, are absolutely massive to the point where like you, you know, you, you really can't use it for, for, for that. Like no matter how many say we'll call it like old GPUs that you have lying around, right? It's just, no matter how many you string together, it's just not going to, you know, rival, you know, a, a current generation ASIC. It just, it just oh, doesn't work. You, you definitely are not, you're not going to reach that same uh, level of efficiency. And there, there are limits to it or whatnot. But if you had enough space, you could get close to what we're doing now if you ran enough shit in parallel. But I do believe somebody would have, somebody very smart would have to sit down and find efficient ways to make this old shit work together. And it may not even be like, let's just slap a bunch of boards together into this Frankenstein. It may be literally we're pulling chips off the boards and finding ways to repurpose them. There are ways to do it. It's not the best way. It's definitely not the best way. But no, I, 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 I honestly, I don't think so. I don't think so because it's, it's not the, it's not a quantity issue, right? Like you can't right. just say like, oh, okay, so like, okay, one, one ASIC miner, you know, can do a hundred terahashes. And then let's say one GPU can do one terahash. It's not a matter of stringing together 100 GPUs equals one one miner. Like it's not the math doesn't work that way, right? Right. Because there's there's yeah. there's physical limitations, right? Where like this chip, the only way to make this work, you would have to open up the chip, rewire the chip, which is you know obviously not feasible thing to do, right? Like this yeah. doesn't happen. Like you're you're not you know you're not doing that. The only real sort of like true way to do this would be take it up part pull out all the individual bits and reclaim it and recreate like melt down the metal and We're recreate recycling you know the entire chip, recycling right? which, the entire thing right so like at that point still, at that point you're just manufacturing chips yeah I exactly you. exactly so at that point you're it's cheaper just to mine new product which is why ultimately there is you know warehouses and landfills full of this old tech because it just it's not cost effective to do it right which and trust me i'm not i'm not sitting here playing the the green card here and and oh oh the poor whales and sea turtles but it, it does suck that we literally have like mountains of this old tech laying around and we haven't figured out a way to actually utilize it for anything useful it just sits and rots i think it's unfortunate i mean actually on sort of a different thing i mean it doesn't have to do with bitcoin but like back in the day you know we used to take uh, I used to work for a nonprofit where we would take a lot of old, 
old computers and old chips and everything like that from from companies that are just like you know you know businesses would, would recycle them and stuff and you just you would take apart right all the different components and everything like that you'd flash them all and and and, and put them back together and then sell them or donate them to, to schools and things like that, right? Who could use these lower powered machines. So stuff like that is possible in terms of like recycling and upcycling a lot of the old tech. But in terms of trying to get that stuff to do the most modern thing, like one of those is, you know, it's not going to power AI, for example, right? Like you could do word processing, but you just, it just doesn't have the capabilities. To, Here's to, an analogy. If you got an old um, wire wound um, ballast out of a fluorescent, um, light back when they used to use uh, solid copper wound um, ballasts and then you went and got a warehouse full of them and said I'm going to try and repurpose this you just can't because you cannot compete with a the cost and the efficiency of a solid state ballast in a fluoro I mean they they're a quarter of the size um, a tenth of the weight maybe a twentieth of the weight and they don't produce any heat and they don't produce <clears throat> and they don't they don't burn out like traditional ballasts used to oh definitely if, yeah. until until you can't get the solid state ballasts anymore and then then you start going how can we use this old shit that's that's the only word that's the only place my mind goes i know it's not efficient i know that but it is a shame that we can't find a way to at least put some of it to use Hell, like I said, as we're sitting here talking, I'm, I'm taking a 10-year-old laptop with a gig of RAM and attempting to download the blockchain on it just because I can't. Well, I was going to say that was the other thing, right? Like, because that's where I'm, I'm running my node on a computer that I built years and years, like decades ago, right? Like, so it's, it's obviously been like somewhat updated as, as I go along, but I would say the newest part in that thing is probably a good 10 years old, right? Um, and, and. And so running, you know, you can run some simple stuff. You can still run a node, a Bitcoin node on it. Um, I bet you could yeah, run an Oscar relay really on just about anything that would normally be considered unusable today. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Like and, if, you can run, if you could run Umbral, I, I can't see why not, you know? Yeah, maybe that's a good way to, to utilize some of that shit. We, how many old tablets and just, just old laptops and bullshit are just laying around that could totally jump on Wi-Fi right now? And every person could probably have one or two freaking Nostra relays running in their house, but they don't. Imagine uh, the scalability of things if we started utilizing some of those old tech for some of this stuff we've got going on that's not super processor intensive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, that's one of those things, right, that, that I, got, I was led there a lot because of you know, wanting to run a node and then looking at the prices of Raspberry Pis that are just absolutely through the roof. Um, you know, you can easily buy a used cheap laptop, five years old, no problem. Like, and, and you can m run multiple nodes on that one one device. You know, you just put a put a virtual machine on it, and yeah, it's more than capable. Yeah, yeah Raspberry Pis are overpriced junk. I'm, I wish I never bought one. I'd much rather have a mini PC or something like that running my node right now. I, I actually have an, I I have take an Amazon. Go ahead. Go ahead, Babel. I take offense to that fiend. I've got a Raspberry Pi and it runs fucking sweet. <laughs> well, you, <laughs> got luckier, you got luckier than I did, man. I deleted all my I apps off Umbro. And I'm, I, I just still want have, to put it out there, fiend. I got 12 days and I had to hit a reset. I could be fucking um, user error. I mean, let's, let's boil it down. I mean, <laughs> oh, shots fired. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. But, you know, I ask questions I'm like, what can I, what can I do? And so people, you know, people are like, well, I don't know. And it's like, what well, is your Umbra updated to the latest version? I yeah. Mean, I mean, for right. fuck's sake, mate, you still run a turntable, so I don't think you've moved it. <laughs> How the fuck are you capable of running an umbrella? Hey, it's for better than a cassette man. machine, man, or an 8-track player. <laughs> you What's got an 8-track in your car as well, have you? What's that? I said you got an 8-track in your car as well, have you? <laughs> My cousin does, actually. He's got like an old uh, 78 Corvette, I think it is, and he's got an 8 He comes with the 8-track player, and he went on eBay and bought a bunch of 8-tracks just to, to keep it vintage. Can you He's still not going to spoil his audio experience with an eight track. He still runs vinyl in his car. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. uh, I hope you don't go over any speed bumps. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, yeah I, I've looked at the Raspberry Pis. I've been thinking about picking one up just for just for fiddling, and they're so hard to get. Even Shamey was talking about that earlier. Like, you mind? even though they're a UK company, he can't source them. You can't find right. them because there's such, such a shortage. No, I'm I, over I, here. It's not I've worth it. A, I've got a tab right now. I'll give you mine. It, it crashes every twelve days, and I have to re, I have to manually restart it every twelve days. So it crashes. Nice. You can have mine. <laughs> so I've got I've got an Amazon tab open right now, and I'm staring at an old Lenovo Mini. It's it's one of the slim PCs, right? And but it's got a freaking Intel quad core processor, sixteen gigs of RAM, two terabyte hard drive, and Wi Fi, and all the fun shit. Ninety five fucking bucks. I could drop, dump Umbral on that and be up and running with the blockchain downloaded in fucking two days. Yeah, for ninety five dollars, I can't. I can't even buy the Raspberry Pi minus the freaking uh, the the box to put it in. Much less get it all connected and set up for that. Not even close. Oh, it's like three. It's running like three hundred dollars right now, and that's without hard drives, which is crazy. Right. Like the whole point of the Raspberry Pi, like when it first came out, was like at the end of the day, it's just an underpowered computer, right? And it was supposed to be for like little projects and they were supposed to, i think i bought mine years and years and years and years ago for like i want to say like 60 bucks or something like that and that mm -hmm. was the whole point of it was like the price point was so low that you could tinker around and mess around with it but now right. it's at the price point where you could buy a whole freaking laptop for cheaper uh so why why would you you know like you, you're better you off any of the orange pie type stuff i've been i've been looking at it a little bit most of those are actually still pretty uh pretty affordable there's some that compete with the the raspberry pi i don't know that they will will necessarily just take all the raspberry pi software but they'll run linux so you'll be fine with umbral and they've actually got one it's the, probably the most expensive that they came out with but basically it's a full computer built into a keyboard and you if you want to spend the money for like 300 bucks you can get basically a fully functional computer uh, a monitor uh, obviously a keyboard because it's built into it and, and a mouse and all the shit you need and like a webcam for like under 300 bucks. You know, it's super interesting. But yeah, they have them on Amazon. It's just, it's orange pie. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I've been looking at them. It's like, there's a lot of these little uh, alternatives to Raspberry Pi. Because if you think about it, it's not that complicated. It's just a single board computer. So there, there's a lot of them out there, but we they've done a really good job of kind of cornering the market. Everybody thinks Raspberry Pi when you think of like a, a deck of playing card sized computer. Yeah, my only question with an orange pie would be like, how how are the, you know, because the, like, so I, I make custom keyboards and I, I'm, I'm big into hardware and everything like that. Um, I've, I've got to imagine like you're gonna have some heat issues uh right, with right. an orange pie and then like just uh, you know you you've got so very proprietary so orange pie has a bunch of small computers that are basically like raspberry pi knockoffs essentially 
they're uh, they, they're kind of their spin on it. But they came out with a in keyboard computer, and it's a little thicker on the back end. You can tell it has some ventilation. Uh, that's that's their expensive model I've been looking at. But they actually have Raspberry Pi competitors that are just little single board computers that kind of fill that niche too. So that's where I started looking, and then I was like, "What is this?" So it's like it's like their new thing they're kind of going into, and I, I think they're marketing more towards that laptop crowd that uh, they want a compact computer, but they don't want to have a whole a whole stand up freaking tower sitting there next to their, you know, it's for grandma that kind of thing, small computing, web browsing, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, like at this point, honestly, like I would recommend you know, even like a Mac mini sort of thing, like for roughly the same price, right? We're talking like under 500, right? If you're talking about just regular computing, you know, there's a lot, I think there's, there's better options. The, the, you know, something like that, like a keyboard built in sort of thing, like that's often very gimmicky. And unfortunately, like the keyboard components of it takes up like such a significant amount of space that if you're going to put like a usable computer into it you're just like it's going to take up just way too much space or no, you're not going to have like gonna be proper to, cooling it's not going to do any kind of major processing power trust me that's that's yeah. not something i i bet the most complicated that thing or, or the most like resource heavy that thing that that uh setup could do would be like play netflix <laughs> and it's probably still going to get hot as shit while you're doing it yeah, I, would, mean, I mean, look like Mac. buy a Chromebook or something, right? Like something like that. You know, it could probably yeah, do Chrome just as much Chromebook. for cheaper. Chromebook, like you're neutered. That's the, that. The only the only big thing that really kind of sticks out to me with the uh, the Orange Pi type stuff is you could run your own whatever Linux distro you wanted to on it. You have to like kind of hack a Chromebook to to get in there and do that. You got to right. know what you're doing. Chrome. I, I, a lot of people that I've talked to have issues with just common shit that I do online, like. For whatever reason, Chromebook is worse than like Chrome on an Android. You just can't always access every website. It's kind of like the, the the base minimum. Like you can get on and check your email, but good luck with a lot of other shit. It's flip a coin. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the apps aren't going to work and stuff. Like you just have to you run everything through the browser, basically. Many, many PCs are the way to go if you're going to run uh, Lightning and Bitcoin Node along yeah. with like a Nostra stuff yeah, like definitely. that. Yeah, definitely. I had somebody on Telegram you the can, other day was you can, um, they're, they're running a Chromebook and they can't actually use Nosternest. Like for some reason, Nosternest just doesn't work with Chromebook. I'm like, it works fine on Chromium, but yeah, no, try try as they might, they cannot get it to work. There's just some issue. You know, Start Nine offers a, a mini PC that they uh, for sale on their website. Now you can get better specs than that on Amazon. That they're that they're Start offering. Nine's good shit. Same or better. Man, it is expensive. They're expensive. Yeah, they're expensive. Shit, you're paying. You, paying you for can the do. And the, and the support. What I'm saying is that you know the software's free, right? But so you buy. You can buy a mini PC on Amazon with like basically the exact same specs, if not better, for yeah. a third of the price. And then install the Embassy OS. I've met the Start Nine guys personally. I know them. I'm, I'm friends with people who are like really close to them, and I'm I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all for it if somebody wants to jump into it and utilize them. It's a great resource for somebody who's not really technical or just doesn't want to fuck with it, or if you have the money. But myself, for one, I'm a tinkerer. I like to play, and I ain't got that kind of expendable resource. On the, I I would rather set up three umbrels for the price of one Start Nine, and uh, and not have all the flashy Start Nine software. Then, uh, then go that route. That's just me. Well, the, soft, the software's free, though. You can flash. You can, yes. You can. You can just get the software and dump it on a Raspberry Pi. You're right. Yeah. 
where they're making their money is through the mini PC. And I mean, I hate to say this because I'm hurting their business, but you can buy the same damn mini PC, if not better, for a third of the price that they're selling. For. I agree. I agree. They, that's that's why I send the TOS on it. Yep. Right. Well, part of part of the value add though is that like when you buy it through them, it's all pre-installed. Everything's ready to go. You plug it in and you're right, good to go, right? right? And so right. like, there's a lot yeah. of value in that for a lot of people who aren't tinkerers or who don't understand, you know, who've never set up a computer before in their life. Uh, you know, I've never done any of that. They don't know specs. They don't know what to look for. They just want something that just works, right? And so that's that's the value add. There's another thing code, though too. I really just like to set up a third Bitcoin node. You know, and at this point, it's like money is not as much of an object for me. I can totally see that. Yeah, I just want something I can plug in and go because I don't have time. I'm busy doing other shit. So there's a market and I'm, I'm all for it. But it ain't me. It ain't. But here's me. another thing, though, too, with Start9. I watched the BTC Sessions uh, YouTube and he actually had to build his. They just sent him the parts and he had to actually build it himself. And so it's oh, like, really? Well, yeah, they have that option. Yeah, they have, they cheaper, have, they have it was kits. a cheaper node. Yeah, kit. And they have they have fully finished models. They've got right. they've got the full shebang. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if the kit was like five hundred bucks or something like that, but uh, yeah, he had actually built the damn thing. And so at that point, yeah. then you're not really, you know. If you're going to the only, the only thing, the only redeeming yeah. factor would be like customer service, maybe you know, right. like if maybe you have like premium service, you know, or you can call them at any time or something like that. Yeah, a warranty if it breaks, right, or something. Yeah. I, I will say from the people that I've talked to, um, Start9 is really good on their customer service side. So, which which is great because with Umbral, you've got a huge community of open source people to kind of lean on and you'll probably figure it out, but you're going to have to get in there and think. The Start9 guys will probably hold your hand. So, that, I mean, it, it's definitely one of those, you're going to pay for the, the user experience. Did you guys? Do you guys see that we uh, we have stable coins on on Bitcoin again? Ah, fuck that shit. <laughs> a BRC, a BRC twenty. There's a new company or stable coin called Stable. <laughs> can someone explain to me um, how BRC twenty works? I know it's like ERC twenty, but can, you can't take that over to Lightning, right? Like this is all just layer one token shit, right? Or is there some way I'm you can I'm not 100% move? sure. I, I think it's its own I think it's its own layer 2 on the blockchain sort of like lightning is a layer 2. I think it's a separate version of a layer 2, but that's that I I may be completely wrong on that. That's oh yeah, to, to create them it's the same way. It's the same way as ordinals. It's a, it's it's a, to create them as layer 1. But my my question is is that uh, and it costs, you know, money to and transact on layer 1 to mint them. But my my question is if can you actually um, move them onto a layer two so you can actually transact cheaply like you would through a lightning network? Because why in the living, we've already done stable coins on Bitcoin with USDT back in the day, and they moved off of Bitcoin because it's just too freaking expensive to transact. And so they moved to like Tron, I think was one, because it's obviously clearly centralized and they can keep the transaction fees low. And I think Ethereum was the other. Uh, great, great. You just put the idea out there on a podcast. So next thing you know, we're going to be seeing lightnings. <laughs> Nobody's well, you know, it. fortunately, fortunately, there's nobody here in the audience other than just uh, you know the the, the co-host. So, <laughs> as long as yeah, I don't I'm know, sure it, one of two things is going to happen: either people who are fucking around with the idea of of monkey JPEGs on the blockchain are going to get tired of paying the big fees and run out of money, or they're going to see enough use case, which is to- entirely possible 
that somebody's going to put the resources and time into building an efficient sort of lightning or liquid like layer two solution to move things around without having to pay fees. So I, I can see it happening, but I don't think it's quite there yet. I bet you somebody's working on it though. I, I don't think it's going to happen only because um, number one, if you look at how long it took for lightning to get to where it is today, that took quite a lot of, time and a lot of brain power and a lot of like real sort of development to get to this point. And if you look at what BRC20 and, and, and the ordinals and all that sort of stuff is like, yeah, so creating it did take, you know, was created with, you know, with a lot of intelligence and a lot of stuff, but it's extremely inefficient. And ultimately the users that are using these products are, you know, the same type of people who are buying monkey JPEGs. They are not the type of people who are going to put real investment and real time and real development into things. Um, you, they're literally, you literally see what happened on stage, right? You've got dudes cosplaying in wizard robes um, versus people that are like actually doing real development. So ultimately, you know, the kids are going to get bored and it's they're not going to look for you know, the, the most efficient way to transact properly. That's not their goal at all. Yeah, and I mean, with these stable coins, as long, you know, assuming they're, they're only be able to transact on layer one, then it's like, okay, we have move $80 of stable coins on Bitcoin. You have to pay a $30 transaction fee. Like, that's not going to work. So it's just like, what what's the point here? Why There's you're a reason why about efficiency stable coins case. moved off the main chain in the first place. Like, why are you bringing it back unless you have, like, a plan to um, make the transaction fees, like, basically next to nothing like you would on Night lightning network that's what i was asking because it's just obviously you know they wouldn't be putting trying to inscribe shit and paying money to try to inscribe shit onto something you can right click save let's be honest i mean i mean honestly and i i don't i don't hate on anybody who's trying to do this shit i think bitcoin is for the world and people can do what they want with it and if they want to pay the fees you know what People out there who are actually running miners, they're profiting on it. That's great. It sucks when it's a bunch of bullshit going on that's not really anything useful. But you know what? It's not my money. It's not my business. So I'm okay with that. However, these idiots are out here trying to do a bunch of dumb crap that's not sustainable. And that's really what it comes down to is, is long term, are we going to have to worry about this? Are these guys going to be paying the same fees we're paying for a long time to keep scribbling a little bit of uh, a little bit of code into the back end of a picture no i don't think so it's not the best use case for it and it's it's evolutionary you know in time in time it'll just kind of go away it has to right it's like one of those things like if you're already using stable coins you're probably sitting in a you know the global south or whatever and you're you're, you're kind of scraping by and you just want to keep your money in something that doesn't completely inflate away on you and so you're not going to want to you know, transact thirty uh, percent of the your your wealth away every time you make a transaction through these stable coins, and so at that point as well as like when you're a stable coin holder, like <laughs> you're clearly you're obviously still using a centralized currency to begin with because that's what the U.S. dollar is. It's like why do you give a shit whether it's on Bitcoin or Tron anyway? It's like Tron's clearly a centralized network. All you care about at this point is the fact that you can move some represent some token representation of a dollar from one person to another with like a fraction of a penny of, of transaction cost. Right. So I just don't understand why people think this is a good idea or to do this on Bitcoin. And so it just clearly to me seems like 
Uh, this is just some kind of like scammy rug pull where people are going to load up their treasury and they're just going to rug and walk away. Or maybe they're getting tired of getting rugged on every other freaking uh, blockchain, so they went back to the old the old standard that's uh, not going to go anywhere. They want to keep playing their games, and they just haven't grown up yet, grown up enough to realize that it's a waste of fucking time and resources. I think there's a there's going to be a, a there's a natural Darwinism that's sort of like built into all this, right? Like it's fine to play around. You can do whatever you want. Um, you can mess around on it, but at the end of the day, like the value right now it's because the costs are so low because the number of people globally that are using bitcoin is so low that it's fine that you can pay you know whatever fees that are there but as a real true adoption grows as like actual true use case um continues to propagate you're gonna find that the fees are gonna go up and that's just how it is like that's what's gonna happen fees are gonna go up um you know let's just say like everybody in the world starts to use it right the fees are gonna go significantly higher than what they are now today um it'll get to the point where messing around and screwing around just isn't profitable or not even not just profitable, it just isn't viable. Right. And then, and even then you might have some, you know, billionaire sort of like rich kids. I'd still want to play. Um, and that'll happen. You know, you do have kids that crash Ferraris because it's fun for them. So like that stuff will still happen. Um, but you're just going to see less and less of it. And so right now it's fun for, you know, you know, what, what income level does it require to be able to mess around and, and do ordinals and scribe? But it's obviously like global South, you know, people aren't doing that because they just simply can't afford it. And so you take that and scale it up, right? Like at the end of the day, maybe billionaire kids are still going to be inscribing ordinals and doing goofy stuff like that. But you know, 90% of the world are just going to be using it for the real, real use case. So I have no issues with people doing it right now because at the end of the day, like people are people, um, and they're going to play when they can play. But, um, uh, you know, and it just kind of proves that, look, the system still works, but it clears itself out, right? It, it's got a, a system of, like, of, of cleaning itself up um, as, as it scales up. Well, and even, well, like, uh, said, it's, like it's, it's evolutionary. Sorry. Uh, it, it's, it, like you said, there's natural pressure there. So it, it just the mathematics itself makes it evident it's going to happen. And I'm not going to say we're, we're out of the woods yet. We're not going to see more of it. But I think at least for the recent shit, I feel like we're over the hump with the ordinal shit. It's slowed down. There's way less talk and everything about it. Because I guarantee you, these guys have gone through a fortune in fees just to just to even dick around with it. Well, you say that, and I'm looking at the mempool right now. Still 54 sats per v yeah. I'm seeing 44. Medium, well, high priority, 48. Yeah, but I think you have to look at it from like a, a, a averages sort of uh, perspective, right? Because like at some point, I would say like a couple of weeks back, right? We were talking like we we're like three hundred or something crazy like that. I so, seen a five fifty, eh? Yeah, I, I, I'm not saying we're over it at all. I think we're just kind of on the down slope. Like I, I think the it was a big fad that came through, and I'm not saying we won't see more spikes of it, but we're seeing it slow down. And I think the longer it goes on, the more it will. But here's the other side is uh, while, while those fees are that high because these guys are dicking around, somebody's profiting. So while it sucks, it sucks for the average person just trying to move their money around. They're, they're also building the Bitcoin economy at the same time. Maybe not in a useful way, maybe not in a way that benefits them in the long run, but they're still building the Bitcoin economy and they're, they're injecting more money into that uh, ecosystem that wasn't there before. Another thing, just to touch on uh, the stablecoin thing again, uh, you know, but it's like the world you you were kind of envisioning. I think that we're all envisioning in the future, where 
you know, usage and global adoption does start to really ramp up and fees do start to jump. And at that point, the, uh, the value of the U.S. dollar, you know, as far as globally, uh, global reserve asset and something that people want to hold is going to weaken as well, which even hurts the case for this, this stupid stable coin. So <laughs> it just, just seems like a really dumb idea. And I, and I know that, you know, we got like Tarot coming out on, on Lightning Network as well. And so it's just like, why would you? Why would you create something on main chain when we already know that there's going to be stable coins here soon uh, with the Lightning Network? Well, it's funny because, you know, stable coins, the terminology makes it sound like, you know, the valley's not fluctuating. But let's let's put it into the context of what you're talking about here, right? What you're talking about hyper, essentially like hyper Bitcoinization, right, where you're where Bitcoin is a global standard, where there is significant usage across the world. Um if you look at what's really stable, is the U.S. dollar the one that's the more stable coin, or is the is Bitcoin going to be the one with the more stable value? Right at the end of the day, it's funny because you know if you do peg, essentially, stable coin is really just pegging something to the U.S. dollar. So, if you're now saying that okay, you know we're in a world of Bitcoinization, in order to get there, really ultimately, it, it requires um, the U.S. dollar to be hyperinflationary on the opposite side of the coin, right, or opposite side. So like. Any stable coin that you create is going to inherently be unstable. It's an, it's an right, inflation yeah. coin. It's, it's not a stable coin. It's an inflation coin. You've taken a deflationary currency and you've pegged it to an inflationary currency, which is why people will do it because that's that's where the value proposition is. They know that if we peg it to this price, as time goes on, what your money is worth degrades, and what we get to keep in Bitcoin grows. Right? That's that's their cut. The, vol the volatility will be the U.S. dollar, right? Maybe the volatility yeah. always has been the U.S. dollar. It always has been. We just we're just <laughs> taught to think in USD. Well, it's it's we it, it, it to the Bitcoin back. standard. It's it all totally Look at you. You take that example, right? Where I always go, always go back to this. Imagine like you're in a car and you're parked in a parking lot, right, with all the cars around you, and you back up your car slowly and you look out the window only at the car next to you, right? That car looks like it's moving forward, but you're actually moving backwards. Everybody else is standing still. Who's really volatile? It's it's the car that's moving, right? That's the one that's volatile. That's the U.S. dollar um, inflating. So right. it's kind of one of those things that everyone assumes that Bitcoin's the volatile uh, asset because it was kind of came second, right? And U.S. dollar was here first, and so that's what's being based exactly. off of. But if we base it off of Bitcoin, we'd be like, well, the U.S. dollar is the volatile asset. Yeah, if you think about, about it, if you spin up a, a perception, statement, right? Theory of relativity, right? Yeah, if you spin up an air quote stable coin and you pin it to a, an inflationary asset like that, it, it, it's like a winning game. If you think about it, as long as you don't play something stupid and, and get FTXed, you know, you're you're going to make money no matter what you do, because it's a moving target. You know that where you're pegging that value is going to continually decrease at least this much per year and more if they get stupid. So the more money the U.S. dollar print or the U.S. economy prints the more money you make when you you're pegged against an asset like bitcoin or when you're backed by an asset like bitcoin i should say Bitch, did you have any talking points i thought you had dm'd me that you might have some things that you were gonna want to talk about tonight i i did and then i lost track of time and i i'm out in the car with the kids <laughs> and i don't have any of those notes with me so oh, no problem uh, 
<laughs> so I'll, I mean, I'll be I'll be back uh, probably another fifteen minutes or so, not even five minutes, something like that. So, all right, cool. Uh, but I did want to talk about um, something Noster related, um, and and it was actually unfortunately puzzles was gone, but it was something that he had posted. Um, it goes back to the whole likes versus um, likes versus uh, zaps sort of controversy. I saw that Will had posted something and it sort of brought the whole thing back again about you know, would you rather have 21 zaps or 120 likes, right? Um, and I think, Renegade, you had a really good thread um, with, yeah, he, uh, with Fiend, I think. You guys are talking about you brought that back from the dead. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that, there was some good debate that day, though. Uh, I think it was yesterday morning. There was some really good debate going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, if we want to talk about it for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of Renegade. I'm not a, just an only Zaps kind of guy. I think you can have different tiers on how to engage with people, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And obviously, like a reply is a tier. Where it's kind of like maybe it's maybe your someone's post has garnered a little bit more interest to you. Do you feel that you feel the need to engage with them, you know, uh, verbally or at least through, through typing, uh, you know? And, and then you know, like a like could kind of be like a, a read receipt, right? Like be like, I I read your your note, I agree with your note, but maybe you didn't like, maybe it's something I already knew or something like that, and you didn't provide any new value to me or something like that. But I agree with you, and I want to show my support of being in agreement of your note, and so I give you a like. But then, like, maybe, like, you know, if you posted something kind of a mind-blowing concept that really, you know, like, we were just kind of talking about, like, you know, Bitcoin, is Bitcoin volatile or is U.S. dollar volatile? Kind of, like, some, maybe a subject like that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I never thought of it that way. Maybe I really like that. And it, that kind of gave me some value and perspective or whatever that I never had before. And maybe I'll zap you, you know, a couple hundred sets or whatever. Um, and so, like, kind of maybe that's, like, a love or something like that instead of just, like, a like or just kind of an, a read receipt or whatever. And then you, can, then you also have, like, the re- the repost or the renote or whatever you want to call it, where it's like, you know, it's kind of even another, a different level of engagement too, where it's like, yeah, I really like what this person's saying. I want to share it out with the rest of my people and my people on my feed as well. And so like, you know, I don't know. It, it just seems like, uh, and another thing I think Renegade, I think it was you Renegade who was saying like, when you like somebody's um, note, then that shows up on your notifications and you, you have an opportunity at that point now to uh, be able to follow that person. Whereas maybe you didn't even know they existed on the, the Nostroverse. Right. I get a lot of likes from, from people yeah. that I, I had no idea followed my stuff and I've never seen. And maybe they don't have the expendable uh, spendable money to sit there and zap every note that they see. I know I don't. I know I, I got to be a little bit picky unless it's a zapathon about who I'm zapping, how much I zap. And I try to make sure my zaps count and they're in line with the value I get from somebody else. But at the same time, I feel like there is a use I see it. I see it actually happening as somebody who does content creation. There is a use for when you're scrolling down your feed and you see something and you go, hey, I like that guy's shit, but I don't have the money to send him a zap. Or that's not enough for me to actually pay him, but I'd like him to know I saw it. And that's cool. And I want to give him my support. It's similar to the concept of when you're in person, you're walking along and you see somebody, whether you know them or not, and you smile or you wave. It's those small social niceties. That's kind of what that's become. And I know that it, people get very emotional about this because we're all living in a world where we have been manipulated by social media in one way or another. We, we came from a place where the like became a part of an algorithm and it became a way to manipulate our experience. And 
everybody, even still now on YouTube, I'm like, hey, go like and follow myself because it helps me build up in the ranks so people follow my, my shit. That's the game we've had to play. We forget that we come over to Noster and here we are in this world and like doesn't have any meaning. It has no algorithmic value. It has no, uh, you don't gain anything necessarily. From, a client, from client side, but I still, I still argue you user side, there's value, right? That's, right. that's the exactly. whole point. So that's what it comes down to is what is value? Do we have to quantify every value and everything that, that we experience monetarily? And that's, I think, where it really gets people. And I especially see it get the ladies because it's more of an emotional thing. And I totally understand it. But not all value to a human being is monetary. Not everything has to be equated to, uh, to a sat value. So when somebody likes my stuff, I get value out of that. I enjoy it. It makes me smile. I go, oh, cool. I like it's, it's not even the, the ego boost of I log in and I see, oh, look, I've got 40 likes and I'm like quantifying it in my head. But I'll actually see the individual and I'll be like, oh, look, Sarah liked my stuff. That's cool. I'm glad she saw that. You know, it's just a little a, a little acknowledgement. And those things do have an impact. It also gives you as somebody who's if you're trying to do content, if you're actually trying to do it intentionally and you're trying to put stuff out that people are going to enjoy and you're trying to educate and teach other people, you want to get some feedback on what is resonating with people and what isn't. Not everybody is going to zap. That's a reality we're going to have to face. Not everybody is going to spend money on your content, but I would like to know what people are vibing with and what they aren't. And while I understand that a, a comment or a renote or something like that is much more valuable than a like, a like still has some value to me. It's like the minimal baseline of uh, of what we're used to in social media. And like it or not, we become so used to it, we understand it. What what kind of gets me, and it's, I sit back, I love a zap. I'm, I, I'm not pro-like and anti-zap by any means. I absolutely love it, and I zap the shit out of people too. Um, but people get so emotional about it, especially the folks who are so vehemently uh, only zaps. And it I, I cracks me up because even in Will's thread, the names I saw getting thrown around, I saw uh, I saw somebody called a charlatan just because they had a different opinion. Um, I got called a Fiat Maxi by somebody that I actually usually get along with and have some respect for. I'm like, what's that even mean? You know, but I think everybody just has to kind of take a, a chill pill a little bit about it. It's entertaining, but at the same time, people take it way too seriously. And if you, if you break it down to its foundation, like what, what are we here for? Like we're here for engagement. Like we're on social exactly. media to, to engage with people. And right. so, yeah, you're right. While a like is minimal levels of engagement, I'm just clicking one button and I'm not giving you monetary value for it. It is some kind it's better of better than ignoring it. It's better so, than yeah, scrolling yeah. yeah. Exactly. Well, I, I think you have so, to look at, you have to look at them as like two different things, right? Because they're ultimately with, for lack of a better term, they're different social currencies. Um, agree. When you look at like zaps, right? Um, each person has the ability to infinitely zap as much as like you know as as high as they want. But how much signal is that really in terms of how much is your content worth, right? So, for example, you know you look at like some of the guys like JP and Frog and uh, Marriott, or and, and like some of those other like big zappers, right? If you're getting like a thousand zaps from them, is that any different than in terms of like value content value? valuation 
um, from getting from say like a pleb who literally only has a thousand sats in their wallet and they, and they zap you 21 sats, right? Like I'd argue that, that those 21 sats were way worth way more, uh, in terms of like your contents value, uh, than, you know, than JP, um, like, you know, one of those guys zapping you a thousand. Um, oh, so, wow. so like there's, there's, there's a, there's an element of, you know, you can, you know, that, that, that it's, it's, it's how big is your wallet, right? That where, so it doesn't really provide you feedback on what's your real value. But right. when it comes to likes, everyone has one vote and only one vote, right? And yes. so it's actually a very democratic sort of like system because at the end of the day, you, that's all you can do. And so when you see that your post has 121 likes, like, holy cow, like there's a lot of people who really appreciated what you, what you've written and they've, yes. they've looked at it and they've seen it and they, and, you know, and it took them, you know, just a fraction of a moment, but like it resonated with some people enough for them to do that. Um, whereas like if you had like one like and like, you know, 10,000 snaps, it's probably just because you memed them you know, or you did something that people wanted to be controversial and be like, Oh, look at that. I want to make a big impact and then, and then make a crazy amount of zaps. But you know, was it really because their content was worth something or someone just wanted to make a statement, right? Well, it's, well, it's, so much more, it's so much more manipulable too. Cause like, let's say you're Joe Biden and you post a tweet and you said, I want all Americans to start eating bugs or whatever. And then George Soros comes in with like two Bitcoin worth of zaps and just zaps Biden's tweet. Like if you don't have something to like ratio uh, Joe Biden's tweet with like, you know, how right. ratios work on Twitter, where it's like more, uh, more comments than likes, right? Then that shows kind of a rate that that, that tweet was uh, unwelcomed or ratioed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, then people would be like, wow, two, wow, uh, people support Joe Biden's uh, order for American seed bugs because it's got two Bitcoin of uh, zaps behind it. And so it's, it's like, it's like kind of, the polls right now on, on, on Oscar. It's like, okay, right, but you I don't like poll it, every post. They don't mean anything because the votes are accounted by how much is zapped to each, each right. not how many. Yeah. That needs to change if they're ever going to be taken seriously. But, but I think it comes down to the whole, what is your, what are your goals and what's your perspective? You know, how are we quantifying this? And I do love the way that will phrase that question. Cause that's really what it comes down to. It wasn't a, uh, what's better likes or zaps? Cause that's an obvious answer. If, if I have to pick hell, I'd right. rather have somebody zap me than like me. Of course it's better. But he asked, would you rather have 120 likes or 21 sats in, and zaps? Individual engagement events. Let's right, put it like, right. So what's yeah. your goals? Is, is my goal at the end of the day, when I'm in inter, you know, interacting with people on Noster and when I'm putting my content out here, if your goal is, I want to get as many zaps as possible. I want to see a sat return from this. And we'd all love to see like, hell, that's the dream. Let's go make money on social media. If that's your goal, if that's your mindset, you're going to be somebody that leans on the side of, I want more quantity of zaps versus the quantity of people giving me the zaps. It doesn't matter if it's 21 people that give me one zap or one person gives me 21 zaps. It's all the same thing. My thing, I approach Noster and I approach all social media because I cast a wide net as I am a content creator, I'm an educator, and I'm here to network and communicate with as many people who are interested in the topics I talk about as possible because I'm here to teach and I'm here to try to preserve a dying art. So that means I need to reach a broad audience. The more I see engagement, the more individual people I see engaged with me, the more I know what I'm doing is resonating with more people. 
So a higher amount of likes is a better thing to me because I'm not doing this to make money. If I was trying to make money with my content creation, I would quit and go do something that makes more money. Because I can tell you right now, in over a year of doing this, I've probably made maybe 90 bucks and spent more than that. So uh, <laughs> I'm doing it for a reason that's not to make Bitcoin. I'd love to make yeah. Bitcoin too. And guess what? I'd love to get those zaps. I'd love 121 zaps. That's awesome. If somebody wants to do that, amazing. But to me right now, the goal is to reach more people and to build my network. And I'm here to stack plebs, not stack sats. I'm going to stack sats no matter what. I'm here to network. That's why I'm the social. I'm on a social media network, and I'm not on a freaking trading platform buying shit. Yeah, I've put hours and hours and hours into creating memes. Like I have so many fucking memes I've created since we started Noster. Started with since I started with Noster in December, and I did all this for to for a viral marketing campaign for Noster because we don't have you know a CEO and we don't have a business and we don't have like. I mean, you know, you kind of get like open sets and maybe some of these other things that can kind of fund development or whatever, but there's no money being pumped into marketing. And so I, the reason why I'm here is because I'm like diehard dedicated to the Bitcoin and, you know, freedom money and freedom information message. And so uh, I'm here to try to uh, do whatever I can and whatever I have within my ability to to share information on Bitcoin and Noster and try to make it I don't know, do something that maybe people enjoy to do. And if I want to gauge the amount of hours that I've put into um, <laughs> making memes versus the the return that I've gotten in zaps, I mean, shit, I'd make a McDonald's worker look like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I'm not here for the zaps. Like, it's cool. Like, I like the zaps because it kind of sets us apart from like the rest of these social media sites. And it's like enticing for people to come here because it's like, come for the stats, the zaps, stay for the freedom information, right? But I can see a model. Where I'm, all, I'm all for it and I love it. And I hope it, you know, like at some point people are going to get huge and they're going to get huge accounts on Noster and they're going to make a career out of getting zapped. And so that's great. Yeah. And maybe if. Maybe if it's you or me or whoever, like that's awesome too. And I mean, I don't care. Yeah, like, right. I, way, I but the point where I'm like, fuck, fuck monetizing on YouTube. You know, I'd rather make my money on Noster if I can. There's, there's much more. There is a much better chance that I'll actually be able to make some appreciable amount of money to stack working Noster in the near future than I will getting fifty percent or forty percent or whatever back that YouTube wants to give me of what people contribute. So that's great. I love that idea. I absolutely do. But at the end of the day, it's a long road on any social media platform protocol, wherever you're at, to be able to actually make that into a career. You've got to build that up. And many, most people don't do it. Let's be honest. Most of us are not going to make it, make it big and be able to just live on social media. That's not why I'm doing it. But I can tell you what is far more valuable of a currency when it comes to the internet, when it comes to what we're doing, than Bitcoin. And that's people. That's community. And to me, that is why I don't want to abandon the idea of a like, or at least not find something better than the like. We should not expect people to compensate us monetarily for our content. It's great if they want to, I want to enable them to, but we should not expect people to have to give us money if they don't want to leave a comment. And yeah, I think one, of the, one of the things that, you know, Twitter's gone wrong um, is, is, is exactly that, where it's ultimately become that, uh, 
the you you have to essentially if you want someone to leave a comment or someone to engage with you right you have to pay for it it's essentially being paywalled uh, because you're not going to get discovered so unless you're already right, paid, right you're not going to get discovered and so uh you know that that goes back to exactly what you're saying where that that's the problem right like you're, you're, you're it's, it's going the wrong direction and similarly uh when it comes to Noster like zaps are really good and it's it's a great feature to have um but if you sort of build everything around that only um you kind of lose what like the natural ability for people to find each other and and provide value to each other without having to pay for it um and so like it, it's sort of like in the us where we have tip culture right but it's not a tip anymore it's now become the norm where if you don't tip a waiter 20 percent, you know they look at you like you're some cheap ass and like and you'll like start to see people self, start to segregate themselves or build classes based on the amount of expendable wealth that they have because yeah, exactly. suddenly people will start to get clickish because they're used to hanging out with their buddies who are whales and tipping them ten thousand sats for a cool meme and that guy only ever tips five sats yeah, well, well, that guy might be might have to scrape up uh, change on the floor of his car to afford ramen noodles too, and we don't we lose that because we've made everything we boiled everything down to a numbers game. We forget the people that are behind it, and I feel like what's the point of social media? So why are we all here? What is it that makes Noster so different? Why are we so happy to be here? Because we're suddenly free from the algorithms that have been manipulating us to extract money from our pockets for our experiences and our time. So the last thing we want to do is be over here and suddenly let's monetize the entire experience so that it's only about money. We're doing the same thing. We're just not instead of creating an algorithm, we're creating a way for that that money to get distributed over a centralized area. But is it centralized? or the people who talk the loudest and post the coolest things getting the most money. I'm not against people being compensated at all in any way, but it shouldn't be mandatory and it shouldn't be made to feel like the standard that you have to. Well, it also shouldn't be like socially mandatory, right? Like again, like, exactly. like tips aren't mandatory, but they're socially mandatory. Um, and right. so, they're heavily expected and you're judged if you don't. Exactly. And so like, we can't have that sort of similar culture develop here. Um, and, and so I think one of the things that's interesting to think about, I think the whole like likes, the whole the heart has been tainted, right, because of Twitter and because of the algorithms and stuff like that. And I think that's where you see a lot of the pushback here is, is simply because of that holdover. Um, whereas I think if like if everyone, if, if all the clients were to move away from a heart and move away from calling it a like and just, you know, the shaka or whatever, um, that could actually make a perceptible difference in the acceptability of it. And and I think like people start seeing it sort of this way in that it's not just, you know, it's not an alg algorithm food, right? You're not just clicking it for that. Um, right. Uh, it's, uh, it's actually a, a legitimate democratic vote uh, of support for someone's, you know, exactly. post or and I'll tell you right now, if, if I zap you, I probably like you too. I, I do both. I don't do one or the other. It's not an all or nothing type thing. If I send somebody a, a, a zap, I almost always like it. And yeah, I would say I'm pretty similar too. It's almost yeah, both yeah. Almost like The other thing now, and me and Satoshi puzzles went round and round back and forth a little bit on some of those because he was playing devil's advocate and just 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 trying to like keep the debate going, which I totally respect. But uh, his point, which I did agree with, 
was that, okay, well, why are we going to basically have the equivalent of an upvote and not a downvote? And really what we should do is just enable everything. Let all the emojis, all the different things be there. And I was like, hell, you know what? Telegram does it. It works. It's fun. I'm okay with that. I'm always okay with anything that is more freedom to the end user. And I want us all to be able to have the ability to turn it all on and off for our, our particular individual experience. And that's fine. I think more freedom is always a good thing. Um, on the other side of it, though, my my because to your point where, you know, we've had such a, an issue with the algorithms in the past and that's why it's so tainted and why we want to move away from it because we don't want that old perception. I absolutely get that. I'm not disagreeing at all. Um, but my thought on it is none of that really applies here because we don't have an algorithm and it doesn't taint our like. None of it really changes anything. We may bring some old bad habits in, but you'll notice that when somebody shows up on Noster after a while, their behavior change changes because they start to understand the culture. I don't see a toxic like culture here. I see people utilizing it in a way that's meaningful and not in a way to feed into an algorithm because they literally gain nothing. Some of the questions that I had in this debate were like, uh, well, what if it's a bot? What if somebody's just like spamming you to try to boost your ego? Well, who benefits from that? What, where do they actually gain anything from doing that? There's not really, a, I don't see that as a problem. And what if, so what if it is a bot? I can look at it and see who actually did it. And it's going to be pretty obvious. There's, and, no, difference that there's no, nobody's going to make somebody. It's just somebody trolling. Nobody's going to actually make a profit going out there and like spamming on Nostra right now, because there's not an algorithm to gain. So there's no incentive to do so. It just, it just seems weird to me this early on in the, the Nostra ecosystem that you do have people that are kind of like, I wouldn't say militant, but kind of, jerky about uh, wanting to socially uh, promote uh, disengagement. It's just, That's yeah. the thing, too. Yeah. And I'm like, like, and these we should, we like, should be trying to strive for as much engagement, however possible, right. with each these other right now. We are all generally very, very open-minded and very, very pro-freedom and liberty and pro the idea of decentralization and, and whatnot. But then in this particular aspect, they're all about centralization and we need to change this and we should we should remove this feature from the protocol for everybody because I don't like it. And we're talking about 10% of the people no, wanting to make a decision for everybody. And that's that's why I argue back so hard on it, not because I hate Zaps, but because I don't want ever to see Nostra become a place where a, one individual or one group of individuals decides what's best for the rest. I think from a psychological standpoint, that comes about because of the maxi culture, right? So like a lot of times people will find shortcuts. And so when you sort of identify with, oh, toxic Bitcoin maxi, right? Like that's been sort of like the thread for, for several years past. Um, and so obviously once we sort of moved over to Noster, that uh, sort of mindset has has also moved along with it, right? And so when then you, and then on top of that, you say, okay, well, Zaps are lightning, lightning's Bitcoin. So, okay, well, then the natural sort of shortcut in thought process is, well, and I should be as only Zaps maxi um, because that's the way to go. That's what Bitcoin's all about, blah, 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 right? But um, that then that's just a, it's a shortcut holdover, right? To, to, to put yourself in a certain camp because that's what I've always believed in. And that's just what, you know, so everything I do has to be in that direction. Um, and so it's, I think it's unfortunate and it's kind of a side effect of, you know, of Bitcoin, really. The last thing you want to do right now is drive users away because they're just being completely disengaged. And so if people are coming over here and saying, oh, okay, checking this out and 
they post something and they don't get any kind of <laughs> comment or zap or you know like or whatever then at some point they're just going to be like well this is boring i'm getting out of here you know because people oh, everyone wants to be heard man like this is at the end of the day you're not here and posting stuff and being active about it if you don't want to be heard right Right, and I think right. that's also I mean, actually that's a really good point. Um, when you sort of compare new users versus sort of like big OG users, and this happens on Twitter, it happens everywhere, right? Where you have those like big popular sort of people, and those, they obviously exist here on Noster as well. Um, those guys can they get anything they post, regardless of what it is, they're going to get zapped to oblivion, right? And like they're just going to they, they they have a very you know their minimum threshold of zaps is extremely high and so for them that sort of we'll call it like the dopamine hit right is always there no matter what they post whereas if you're a new user and you're just coming on board um you know like you're just not going to get all the zaps on day 1 like that unless you know one of those big guys decide to you know to at you and say hey this guy's new like start zapping him blah 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 but like unless that happens to you and you're just sort of like posting whatever uh, you know, you'll maybe get like one like out of like every 10 posts. Like we all started, you know, early on. If you think about it, like your early on sort of experiences on Noster, you were like super happy to get just that one like because like, wow, somebody actually read what I wrote. Um, and so if you take away that opportunity, um, all you're going to create is just this little, you know, in circle where people are just zapping each other for their own sort of inside jokes. And that's it. There's not going to be a any other sort of engagement it's just going to be this little closed community of 100 people maybe if that um circle jerking you know well we right. can't forget that the average person that shows up on noster probably doesn't even figure out what the hell a lightning address is or how to actually add it to their profile for at least a freaking week all along trying to figure out how what a relay is and how do i see other people and why doesn't anybody follow me so the last thing we want to do is cripple them and remove the one thing they're familiar with that's a, that's a great point yeah the one thing that they're familiar with Right. I mean, if they show up and nobody likes their shit, they're going to be like, well, shit, they may not even realize likes not there, but they're like, nobody likes my stuff. I post my stuff and it just goes out into the ether and nothing happens. I it's going to be like, that. this thing, it's this thing's, this, this thing's dead. No one's using it. This is a waste of my time right. going back to somewhere where I can get likes or I can get comments right. or retweets or whatever. Yeah. And, yeah. and your, your point about the whole toxic maxis thing and everything, I get that. I totally get it. And hell, half the time I'd say I probably am a toxic maxi. But my, the reason I was so spicy on that note where I was like, hey, only Zaps is a cult, <laughs> but it got people's attention, was, you know, it's really, really easy when we get very oh, tied up into a certain idea. Or we're very passionate about something. We really believe into it. It's easy to fall for that extremism on either side. You know, we've got people out there saying that Zaps shouldn't be a thing because that's unfair and blah, blah, blah. That's bullshit, too. But we can't let ourselves go to these crazy extremes and alienate other people and alienate half of people or whatnot and start breaking ourselves down into these little clicks and subsects, especially this early on. We all need to remember that we've spent the entire time we've been on social media being manipulated by algorithms into little camps. So we fight and we engage and we we build and, and pay advertising fees. We can't take those old bullshit habits and just bring them over here. The beautiful thing about Nostra is we're all on an even playing field. We're all humans. We're all in one tribe, and we may not all get along, and we'll all self-segregate and find our ways around. But let's not find new reasons to divide ourselves. We already have enough of those. Neville, are you still with us? Yeah, much. Oh, sorry. 
Did you uh, have anything you wanted to talk about as far as any topics or? No, um, my eyes sort of glazed over when we brought up likes again and zaps. It's, For the thirtieth uh, time. It's it's something that I fucking stopped listening to a month ago, and we're still going on about it. I just. Um, I honestly don't right. get it. Eh? It's like, for fuck's sake, just stop talking about it. That's, you know, I, I just think it's, we're, everyone's just wasting so much energy on it and it's just fucking bullshit. Do whatever you want to do. If you want to zap, fucking zap. If you want to like, like. You've got the choice. Move on. That's it. End of fucking discussion. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't give a fuck until somebody tries to tell me that, that, that I can't do one or the other. They, when they try to start taking away my abilities... Or they're 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 sitting there and ranting about you shouldn't be able to because this is a bad thing. Yeah, fuck you. I'll do what I want. I'll move to another client if that's what you want to do. But uh, that's the only time I even I even want to get involved with it because I, I I don't give two fucks whether you turn only zaps on or not. Yeah, I couldn't give a fucking rat's ass, mate. I zap yeah. who I want to zap, and if exactly. I if I want to like them, I like them. If I don't, I don't. And if someone zaps me, well, good on them. Exactly. You know, like, I just don't. That's how it should be. We need more bevos on Noster. Hey, somebody go make like five bevo insects right now. Let's do it. I just don't. I just don't have the time nor the inclination to dedicate one brain cell to it. I not one. Yeah, it is a lot of noise. People start talking about it. I just my eyes glaze over, and I'm. I just been sitting here listening to you guys coding some stuff on my website, and that's what I've been doing. So I I can't even talk about it. What's on What's on your site, Bevo? I just uh. Um, I've started a couple, like just, uh, I've got one called bevster.com. It's just, I put together for newbies, just, uh, like Nostra resources and shit like that, which I just, all I'm trying to do is there's so much information and it's all scattered. So it's just a resources landing page pretty much. Just trying to put everyone's hard work in one spot. I was going to say you should uh, you should talk to to puzzles because I think he's been trying to do something like uh, like a I think Renegade you were talking to him for a little while too about getting like a one click sort of like new user setup you know new user in a box sort of like thing for for Noster. Um, I feel like you know these are all like fiber. Five or six of us and a couple different developers that are all doing similar place. I've found four or five uh, resource pages like Bevo's talking about. I've thought about putting one together myself. It's just like an onboarding thing for a project I've been fiddling with. And there's so many guys interested in it. I honestly feel like we need to find a time and and get a nest together of guys who are just focused on onboarding. We need like an onboarding council of guys who just get together and brainstorm and try to find a way to make it easy. Like there's so many good ideas out there, but we're all doing our own thing, you know, which is great. That's the whole idea of Noster. So but I think you, I think it's a collaboration would actually fucking help. If you go to Bevster, Bidish, if you go to Bevster.com. Yep, I'm there. And click on the Noster page, Noster tab. My puzzles are the first one up. <laughs> yeah, so those first two, like puzzles and then Tony over at Habla, like that's a pretty good like it doesn't you don't need any more than that to get going, eh? Like I didn't want to there are so many more resources that you could put into this, but I just tried to get something that's not going to overwhelm people. They can get up and going, get their zaps going, blah, blah, blah. And then just tried to have a few sections that people ask about 
and each one of those links has got a plethora of information, mate. If you wanted to sit and go through every site and then every link within that site, you'd be here for a month of Sundays. So in my opinion, that is probably all that's required and it's overkill. The, the next thing that I want to work on and that I've been trying to put together is like an apps page. Um, I've got nicer apps there, but I wanted to dedicate its own page and then and have a devs page. Like I was talking to Ifan, he's got, he's working on his own site and like Pablo, man, he comes out with something new every fucking minute. Yep. And, and it's like, I can't keep up, you know, like you can't look at Nostra every day. So you're right, there does need to be a, a bit of a round table and then one resource where people go and um, yeah. look at and go, yeah, we could add this and we could add that. You haven't got this. What about that? And then like. I definitely I mean, don't want to centralize it, but I'd love to see some better onboarding experiences coming because that's the thing. All of us, so if we sit down and we build like a how to get on Nostra page, we're doing it from our perspective. And we miss out on all the shit that a new person sees. So, you know, every time that I sit down and I collaborate with somebody else, you know, and, and they give me honest feedback on something I put together, they yeah. point out two or three glaring holes and things or things I just wasn't even thinking about because I, my head's too far up my own ass. So I think the more people we could get together, if we got five or six really smart people who are all dedicated to the same, same idea together. Imagine the shit that could come out of a nest like that, man. Yeah. Mm. But I like it. Uh, you're, what you got together over here on this page, Bevo, is like uh, you took my Noster journey over the last few months and just put it all in one place. You said uh, a month of Sundays. That's what I feel like I've spent trying to figure all this shit out. Yeah, and like <laughs> those are all great links. Yeah, I, and I, I just threw a couple. I haven't even started on the Bitcoin page. I've been trying to work on the Noster page and filter out what I should and shouldn't put. Um, I, I like that you added that zap, that zap tag up in there, man. That little zap button. That's yeah. yeah. There it is after. Yes. Been, oh, fucking sweet, guys. Thanks. <laughs> um, the And just playing with stuff like that. Like I've got the Nostra chat. And just so that people can see what's available and what you can do when they go there. And say, oh, what's that Nostra chat? And you can sign in with your MPUB and, um, you know, the, you can put a zap me button to your MPUB. Just... Just trying to, just trying to help people, I guess. Um, and then, yeah. So I just need a couple more tabs to round it out. Like I said, devs and um, a more focused apps page. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a pretty basic site, but I didn't want it to be complicated. It just had to be clean and. Um, the right colors and a couple of images. That's it. The only thing I can tell you right now. I like the color combo. I like it. It's great. The feedback I'd give you there too would be like, put something about, uh, about like Albi somewhere near where your little zap button is or somewhere close enough to the top. Cause that's a huge resource for people who are, especially on a website or on like a web browser, getting involved, being able to, to sign in and out of, uh, of things and being able to actually have a lightning wallet that will probably, you you want to give people a, a way to be able to use that zap me button, so. Well, the you're supposed to fucking start with either link below for the first five minute setup guide. That's right. Sh- you, you do that right, and then you'll know what it is. Right, right. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. Yeah. I get you. I love it. I love it. You're doing. You did good work, man. You've been busy. Yeah. Um. 
and I had to change a few things here the other day. Like I had the word ledger in there a couple of times. Uh oh. But Good. I fucking I dropped it's the bomb. A dirty on them. word. I dropped the bomb on them cunts. Fuck them. <laughs> um, I mean, <clears throat> like we did a nest on it the other day, but and I. I I actually didn't watch it before I did the nest when we were talking about it. I went and watched it after the on what Bitcoin did when Pascal was, you know, mm-hmm. and my thoughts and ideas on what Ledger did. He basically verbatim said it, so I understood what he was trying to do. He just fucking, he just fucked it up in the delivery. And he and what he said was, I don't know if you've all watched it, but what he said was the marketing team fucked it up it wasn't supposed to happen the way it did and it's like well i don't know i don't buy that pascal but um you know what he bangs on about and the reason that i had ledger on was on the orange pilling page the reason i had ledger is it's easy and if you guys you guys know more than anybody when you try and talk to somebody that has fucking never been here before mate it is it's it's overwhelming so like the ledger was it's where i started it was super super easy and so i think there's a place for it just like there's a place for was mm-hmm. and i i really hope that ledger this is what i hope i hope that ledger scrap what they're doing and they bring out a brand new piece of hardware and they say there's here's the service on this piece of hardware and these are the down or the pro, the cons for using this, but it's fucking super simple. If you want to, here's all the disclaimers. And if you're not happy with that, then go and get a proper hardware. And the reason why I, I still haven't 100% bagged them is they throw a lot of money at making these things safe. Like they fucking hacked Trezor before this other guy just did, I posted about the other day. They hacked Trezor and they did it like in five minutes. Then they get on the phone to Trezor and say, you bunch of cowboys, fucking do this, do that. And they, you know, that dungeon that they've got, all they do is try and break shit and not only their own, they break all the other hardware wallets. And it's not to, not to get an advantage because they don't use it in that way. They approach them and tell them their problems, fix it, and then they announce it. It's white hat hacking. It's, it's they're doing it for, for a noble purpose. They're, they're going in to break it so they can expose the flaws versus going in to break yeah. it for some monetary gain, right? Yeah, and so I still think the core. There's a part of their core there that is right. And what Pascal is saying about if we want mass adoption, you know, he broke down the wallets. Like, there'd be lucky to be ten million ledgers out there when you look at the number of wallets and the number of hardware things that have been sold, etc. So for us to get like two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, or a billion people to hold Bitcoin and start using it. There's got to be an easier way than what we currently do it. Right. I, I can appreciate on, that they're trying to make it easy for new people. I can appreciate what they're trying to do. I We all agree that it's not the best way, that it's not the safest way, and that there are serious flaws in it. We all know that. But we beat that to death. We can't forget yeah, that but, we but, all came from from being not understanding what a seed phrase was. We all came yeah. from fiat. We all probably had our, our foray in shit coinery. But yeah. we all love to hate on it and bag on people who are, are new to it and treat them like they're second class citizens because they're not Bitcoin maxis. And we, we can't do that shit because we all came from somewhere too. the know? fucking maxis have got to pull their fucking head in, in my opinion. Right, right. I, I'm all about it. I'm totally Bitcoin maxi, but I, I don't want to be the Bitcoin maxi that shits on everybody else who used to be me. Well, mate, you got to meet people where they are, not where they exactly. need to be. So, you know, 
like the idea of this site as I'm going to try and build it out is just to make it really, really basic and hopefully someone gets some use out of it. And I went in there on the orange pilling page, like it's just a way that I've found successful to orange pill people. And I had on there um, Ledger and Cold Card and I changed it to Blockstream Jade and or the Cold Card when, when they progressed to that. And that was after talking with you, Fiend. Because I said, what do you think, mate? Like, we need a, another basic, easy, cheap wallet. Yeah, and, to me, that's that's the jade. Um, yeah. A couple, a couple of points to what you were saying, Bevel. Like, they're, they're not going to do it the way you would like them to do it because they want to they want to push the subscription. And so everyone's got the ledger already that they're comfortable with. And they, they don't anticipate that everyone's just going to go buy a new upgrade. And this is another problem I have when, you know, we say that Ledger, you know, is a great introductory hardware wallet. And it's like, yeah, it is. But at some point, like, you're going to get to a point where now you're going to need another, buy another one. And so it's like, what? And like, that's, yeah. mate, and that's, yeah, that's I mean. totally fine. That's totally fine, mate. Like, I don't care. Like, if you spend 100 bucks on a, well, 150 on a Ledger, and then 12 months later, you've gone down the rabbit hole, chances are you've got a, you know, a, a reasonable amount of Bitcoin and you'll start looking elsewhere and then you'll go and buy a cold card. So I don't have an issue with it, eh? I really don't. I guess if we don't have an alternative, right? Because like we do have an alternative because, uh, uh, you know, Jade, I think people you know, probably need to learn more about the Jade because I, I set up my buddy with it and it's just as simple as uh, Ledger. And then you don't have to go. You don't. You don't have to buy a starter pack, right? You can just buy like something that you can just keep that you know is Bitcoin only. Doesn't have shit coins uh, in the firmware and, and whatnot. Uh, isn't doing like this. You know this wallet. Well, you're not getting any arguments from me. Like yeah, no, right. I'm just saying. Like, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just saying. You know, yeah. Like we have alternative. Like that's kind of the point. Is like my girlfriend has one, right? And so now it's like I was telling her about this. Like, well, I got to buy another hardware wallet. And I kind of felt bad. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't. Like, it's 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 this space, mate. And I'm a realist. Ledger's not going anywhere, right? No, They've got a big company, big money. They're entrenched everywhere. All these fucking YouTube fuckers, you know, push a push their barrow. So they're not going anywhere. So that being said, I really wish he would withdraw what he's done, get a new fucking product, and segregate it, and even put it under another name, you know, like. And capture that part of the market. I mean, all, all it was right. is a money grab. He goes in under the guise of, you know, we're trying to make it for the mass adoption, you know, which it is. But that's not their driving force. Their driving force is to bolster the bottom line. And this was easy money because there are they a lot of people out there that don't want to look after their seed. And well, every every business wants to push a subscription model nowadays. Every single business in the world, if they can, they can try. They're going to try to push a subscription model because it's just guaranteed money they can bank on every freaking month. Right. Well, and then if you think about it too, the, like like you said, I'm not at all defending the the bullshit that they're pulling. I think it's it's a bad thing overall. But they are catering to a market that wants that. There are a lot of people who maybe are not into Bitcoin because it's hard and it sounds complicated and it sounds scary. And they're used to being able to call up their bank and say, I lost my password. I need you to help me. They want that. They feel more secure with that safety net. So they're OK. And if it sounds like a reasonably more secure solution than their bank, which I will say that three different institutions holding your keys 
is probably better than what you're dealing with with a, an average fiat establishment. So yes, it is probably more secure than you're used to. Is it secure by Bitcoin standards? Fuck no. But most people, let's be honest, we're all looking at this from a Bitcoin perspective. Somebody who's been in it for a while, somebody who wants to possess and hold their own keys. Most people still look at it like stocks and bonds. Most people don't understand it. They're not where we are. So if anything, if they're out there and they're going to further adoption, great. But we all look back at that journey along understanding Bitcoin. Most of us came into the shitty cryptos. Then we got our Bitcoin and then we started realizing I shouldn't leave these in, in some custodial wallet and I should be self-custodying it. Maybe this self-custody solution is vulnerable. Maybe I should start looking at cold storage. We've come down that path. They're not there yet. They're way further down that path. And if if the uh, the entry point is like a cold card where you have to scan a QR or transfer an SD card to be able to move your money around, 90% of people will never fucking do it. So I can appreciate what they're trying to do. But at the same time, I feel like it's not necessarily the best thing at all. Um, what, what's going to happen the is the, the majority of hardcore Bitcoiners are going to move away from leisure and they're going to have a whole new marketplace and they're probably going to make more money doing it. And that's that's that is what it is, you know. I mean, I'm still going to keep mine, and because um, I'm I'm migrating to cold card, but um, you can still use it in a in a multi sig, like it's fucking better than keeping it on wallet of Satoshi. I mean, you yeah. know, it's not the word we let. It's bad when you consider the fact that it's supposed to be cold storage and nobody else has access to your seeds. That's a betrayal, and that's why everybody reacts so badly. But in the grand scheme of things, keeping your Bitcoin on the ledger is no more insecure than keeping it on a fucking wallet on your phone. Oh, I think it's way more secure. Oh, I, I'd agree. But like in the grand scheme of things, it's you can't. That's the problem is we have a handful of people who are very, very vocal, who will look at somebody who has a ledger and will immediately go, you're a shit coiner and I want nothing to do with you. And it's that's, that's as, the issue. It's the same as when they look at you and tell them that you run a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> oh man who uh, wants my regular pie high is bitter come take it please i'll pay for shipping yeah. no uh, hey, it, it, hey it's uh, a tart. i'll get some ice cream with my raspberry pie okay last piece of perspective that i got on this too is like dude it is guys it's fucking not easy to orange pill people like right. sometimes it's like not. i took it took me fucking years to orange pill my boss and so like I wanted to give him the most easiest, convenient, like most commonly used route into getting into Bitcoin. And to me, I kind of correlate what happened with Ledger to, to like try to like, can, I didn't do this, but say you orange pilled, you, you, you spent, you know, a better part of, part of a, uh, you know, a year or whatever, getting in people, sharing articles, uh, finally getting people to come around it and be like, okay, I'm ready. And then all of a sudden you put their fucking money, you told them to put their money in BlockFi and get some yield. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, fucking BlockFi went under and they lost all their fucking money. And so to me, it's not the same, right? Because obviously this is like way less riskier than, than doing something like that. But to, to me, like if I give advice out, if I'm orange pilling somebody and I give advice out for somebody to buy a ledger and then all of a sudden, six months later, after they finally bought their first Bitcoin and they have their Bitcoin on a ledger and then ledger pulls the shit and I got to like fucking go after the fact and text them and be like, hey, dude, uh, you might want to go spend 150 bucks and go buy a new hardware wall because I fucked up and gave you bad advice. Like, 
that sucks too, oh, and that, that 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 makes people even more wary. Maybe they were wary to begin with, and then maybe they're starting to get comfortable, and then maybe they get wary again, right? And I guess this is just just another thing I kind of thought about. I don't think uh, I'd ever advise anybody. anybody. I'd never want to tell event. somebody to be like, "Go get a ledger." I would. I don't think I would ever, in good consciousness, do that. But at the same time, I'm not going to think somebody's like a shitty person or stupid or a bad Bitcoiner because they that's how they self custody right now, and that's what they know. You know, I'd be like, well, that's cool, but let's have a conversation about why I don't use that because of my concerns. And maybe they'll maybe they'll change their own mind, but I'd like them to make that choice. I'd rather educate people than, than that's the problem. We yeah, have so many people want- who would rather judge you and talk shit about you than actually educate you about why they feel the way they do and let you make your own educated choice. I, my nirvana is I want Ledger to fix this. Like I said, their resources and their dedication to protect producing a secure product until they bought this shit out is, you know, fucking unparalleled. And they, the things that, the couple of things they need to do, in my humble opinion, are one is make their source open code. And they said they're going to do that when and how much, who knows. Um, And the second thing is I still want them to have this subscription thing or whatever it is to cater to that market to help with the adoption, but it needs to be a separate device and maybe even call it a different name. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it I, I wholeheartedly to... agree. I think like there's, there's needs to be stepping stones. Uh, you can't go from zero to a hundred. Um, it just doesn't work. It doesn't happen, especially for something like this. Uh, like Fiend, you were saying, like it, it's difficult to orange pill. Um, you know, was it, it, I think it's no different to the whole like custodial, non-custodial sort of conversation, right? Where it's like, um, you need both of them. Quite frankly, WAS is like the easiest way to onboard someone into the into the ecosystem. <laughs> There's a lot less writing on it because it's lightning and it's because it's, you know, small amounts of money. And we're not talking about cold storage, which is like quote unquote life savings, right? So it's a lot less stakes. But the fact is that the onboarding process is no different <laughs> um, in that, you know, someone needs to have something simple to use, something that's comfortable, something that has a little bit of a safety net built into it, where you're not 100% responsible for everything that's happening, because quite frankly, a lot of people don't trust themselves. Um, and that's a big hurdle uh, when you're telling people that, hey, let's switch to this better system, but you're fully responsible for your money. And they're going to say, hey, on a second, like, I need a little bit of handholding here. I need someone to I need a little bit of a backup just in case I screw this up because I always screw things up, right? And so especially then when you go, okay, well, now we're talking about life savings amount of money. We're talking about, you know, this is the stuff that you keep ultra safe. Well, then I definitely want someone to help me out here just a little bit, at least until I get it, right? And so, Bevo, to your point, like having a separate product, a second product under a different name, that by no means can be confused one with the other. It looks different. It sounds different. It smells different, right? Like it needs to be a completely different product that has that built into that, that backup built into it, where if you screw this up, yes, you can, you know, contact us to recover it. But, and with a big disclaimer saying, look, this is much less secure than the other option that we have, you know, and, 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 and lay it out. Like, I think it just, it's part of the whole transparency thing. And like, we need yeah. to follow sort of like Bitcoin um, lead on this, right? Like, I mean, can, transparency and can, can you imagine rocking up to my 75 year old mum, right? With a cold card and say, right, mum, 
want you to transfer 20 grand out of your bank account across to Coinbase and we're going to buy some Bitcoin. Then what we're going to do is we're going to roll 100 dice to get really good entropy on my on your seed phrase. Then we're going to fucking watch a two-hour tutorial <laughs> on the gold card. Then what we're going to do is we're going to go across and get Sparrow Wallet. We'll watch a couple more tutorials <laughs> on that, right? And you're going to understand yeah. all the terminology that's used along the way too, right? You're going to understand all of it. Do is we're going to put a bit of Bitcoin on it and then we're going to delete that, everything that we just did, and then we're going to redo it to make sure you can access it. And I don't know if you've done that on a coal car, but that's very labor intensive. And I'm like, it ain't going to fucking happen, mate. It ain't right. going to happen. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. We got 70% of the population still puts the majority of their money in the hands of a fucking financial advisor because they don't trust themselves with it. So we're dealing with this. Imagine if nowadays, and they don't teach finance or how to actually count fucking change or anything like that in school anymore. But imagine if when you went to school and you started to learn about money, what they did teach you about what money is, even if it was a lie, if instead of here's what here's how we count back change, here's how we understand money, here's how to write a budget. Imagine instead of learning that, they started off with, okay, kids, today we're going to learn about here's what a 401k is and we're going to talk about annuities. Yeah. You know, you can't start people off like that. This is a whole different method of finance. It's a whole different way of thinking about finance. And even people who are very financially literate have a hard time wrapping their mind around it because it's a fundamental shift. So we can't expect people to abandon all of the, the familiar fiat ways and safety nets immediately because that's where we are. Yeah. But to, and, and to, that, to that point, though, we do have to continue to hammer home self-custody because if people stay oh, lazy and, and don't want, and want to continue to hold their money on exchanges we're just going to get more and more paper bitcoin and more market manipulation like we saw with the gold standard but we need to, we need to help people build to that place they're going to need stepping stones to get there they need to go ahead Beba. The, the the thing you just got to take responsibility for the people that you orange pill if they're buying two hundred dollars get fucking ledger with the seed phrase backup shit whatever couldn't give a fuck whatever you're comfortable with but if they come to you and you get them pill and they go i'm going to drop i'm going to buy a full bitcoin then you have a different conversation yeah you say look let's do that but we need to spend a week going over you know a couple of hours every day going over some things until you get this in your head what to do right they got like a lot more skin in the game there you know it's a lot yeah, more serious conversation course, yeah you're, you're you're back, the tools need to exist. And, and, right. and Bevel, I know you don't want to talk about this, but it's goes, you know, similarly, like just coming full circle likes and, and zaps. You need both. They both you're breaking up. You're breaking oh. up. Oh, <laughs> breaking up. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's all I'm going to say about that. The tools need to be there. I just wanted to bring it full circle here. You know, like the tools need to exist and that you need the options and the ability to once again, meet people where they are be able to tailor their experience to the circumstances that they're in and yeah. and have the tools to meet those needs and yeah. so if you're you know if you maxi and say it's only cold card or nothing well then it's going to be nothing a lot of people are going to pick nothing um and and so yeah so hey guys like i i've got to run i've got another meeting actually i need to get to um and and uh and just a shameless plug here i'm i'm potentially starting a, a record company here uh a, a record label nice. cannabis records um, yeah. 
Yeah, so 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 more on that later. It doesn't really have much to do with any, or anything to do with Bitcoin, other than um, you know, obviously we're integrating all of that into the retail store. But do you um, say cannabis records? Yes, sir. Okay, I I I, I know a guy that uh, that may want to help you with some marketing. Uh, he's he yeah he's yeah. he's doing the marketing yeah. for a, a a cannabis magazine on Noster right now. So I definitely want to hook him up with you. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Throw me some names or whatever, because yeah. uh, we're, we're, you, we're, we're actually a record you, label. Um, so we've got, we've got a couple artists already signed, but we're, um, but we're, you know, opening a retail. So we've got a pretty interesting concept, but uh, more, more on that a little bit later, but I, I do have to run. Uh, but uh, uh, it was great talking to you guys and yeah. uh, I'll see, I'll see you guys at the next one. Appreciate, sure. appreciate you joining us and co-hosting on this uh, Nostrum with our audience of zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hope they enjoyed it. <laughs> hey audience did you guys enjoy this oh yeah you did great okay awesome well we got 100 percent feedback if after the fact you enjoyed this be sure to provide value for value on fountain yeah <laughs> make sure to zap the shit out of me if you like the shit out of me i'm fuck you <laughs> right <laughs> um, all right we'll see That's you man fucking dare like my post fuck you <laughs> <laughs> how dare you like my stuff yeah, exactly. Hey, hey, one more point to the whole ledger thing. I think it's just, uh, I think it's bad company organization as well because, um, yeah, you know, like Bitbox, they have the, they're like they're a shitcoin company. They have a, they have a hardware wallet that's for shitcoins, and they have a hardware wallet that's Bitcoin only. And while I know you can add the app or whatever and make it a Bitcoin only um, hardware wallet, I think the Bitcoin community would uh, embrace that hardware wallet more if they kind of made their own device that was specifically for the diehard Bitcoiner. Yeah. Uh, it didn't cut any corners. It didn't, you know, it was open source, didn't have any potential backdoors to keys leaking, you know, and some of the, a lot, a lot of the other bells and whistles that maybe some of these other hardware wallets like uh, cold card or, uh, you know, the foundation. That's your subscription that you, that, you know, you, you're milking the people who want the easy, the easy path. You're milking them for that money. And that's okay. Those people are probably willing to pay it because they're willing to take the risk, you know, for them, the convenience is worth more than, than the security, but then make yourself something like, I don't know what call it something crazy, like the vault, the lockdown, whatever, just make a super secure, uh, Bitcoin maxi self custody, hardcore cold storage wallet and market that because then you're, you're actually appealing to both market. Cause I think, I think, the, the the Bitcoin maxi market and the, the onboarding new people market are two different worlds and you're going to alienate one of them if you try to market primarily to to the other. Yeah, and like Bevel said, uh, their white hat hacking is, is really good. And so I, I think they have yeah. more than enough competence as a company to be able to create a, a really nice Bitcoin only hardware wallet. And I think the, the Bitcoin community wouldn't wouldn't lash out nearly as much against Ledger as they have. I mean, this is not the first time, you know, obviously with the data leak beforehand and, and whatnot. Right. The Bitcoin community is kind of going uh, full full horns uh, at them before. And so this is, you know, you could, could potentially like bridge the gap and maybe create some more goodwill with the with the Bitcoin, quote unquote, maxis if you if you, you did something like that. Um, Show but, some yeah, effort I, towards the, towards their goals. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, so. and, and give, they give, then you give people options too. And so it's like, who doesn't like options, right? We were talking earlier about right. options. All for freedom. <laughs> if you want to choose to be stupid, I support your decision. As long as you actually have the choice to do it and you don't want me to have to do it too. Hey, well, last thing I wanted to, we can wrap this up too. I know Bidish is gone. Um, 
we wrap this up here in a couple of minutes, but I also wanted to mention that um, Jimmy Dore, I don't know if you guys know who Jimmy Dore is, really popular podcast, has like 1.2 million subscribers. Uh, he's traditionally been a lefty, which is in- interesting yeah. because, you know, the left the lefty community really has not taken to embracing the Bitcoin. But I will say with Jimmy Dore recently, um, he has kind of shifted more towards the libertarian side of, you know, he, he's also kind of one of the lefties that is willing to reach outside the aisle and just kind of he's like a truth seeker. Right. He's, he's less, you know, a divisive uh, side taker. And to kind of bring this conversation full circle. Oh, sorry. You're, yeah. The ones who have good intentions find their way there. Just like the guys who are like extreme fucking far right or it's like obnoxious and they're just they're just dumb. They may have good intentions and they usually find themselves more towards the, the middle grounds eventually. It's the ones that are just there for the freaking attention that are obnoxious and you can't stand. Yeah. And so, so most of his show's content is basically like exposing the corporate media as fraudulent. Uh, he's anti, you know, exposing the vaccines. He's uh, also about exposing, you know, the politicians and, you know, mainly focuses on going after the Democratic side of the politicians uh, to kind of expose their corruption, at least the the, the establishment uh, Democrats. And so it was just interesting to see because he covered the uh, RFK Bitcoin conference speech and he had, man, he had, man, uh, had Max Kaiser on as a guest and there's a nice 50 minute segment that's on YouTube where he basically just got orange pilled like on the spot by Max Kaiser. And he kind of understood the importance and kind of they went over like the trucker, the trucker thing and just all the kind of the talking points that RFK had kind of made during the Bitcoin conference and whatnot. And, and so I think, you know, he's an important bridge, uh, whether you're, you know, obviously, you know, the left is the left, right? But, you know, we, we, we Bitcoin is a political money, and we do need people uh, from all over the world and all all sides of the aisles and every perspective in life to to adopt Bitcoin. And so, I think he, he he could potentially serve as an important bridge to kind of bring this idea of Bitcoin over to the left, and maybe uh, hopefully help uncover and expose. Assuming he's been thoroughly orange pilled at some point, uh, some of these fucking lies about Bitcoin that lefties totally try to hammer, like the ESG. Oh environmental shit or whatever like at some yeah. point we need we need somebody on their side to to go after it and because you know they're going to listen right they're not going to listen to the the magas they're not going to listen to the libertarians no. right because those are perceived threats and so it doesn't matter what you say you're going to scream yep. to your fucking turns blue in the face and and so I, th- I thought it was a pretty important moment because for a long time i know he has not been uh on board with bitcoin he's kind of been part of the i don't really understand it and so i don't really care about it uh side but right it's been traditionally the the people who are more capitalist minded that adopt it first but i mean eventually yeah they're going to come around they're going to see the utility but i mean let's be honest even on the right there are plenty of people who don't understand bitcoin and will talk shit about it all the time so that we like you're right both people both sides both sides of the aisle all different perspectives and all different uh i you know just walks of life will eventually be here and uh, we kind of have it easy right now and in regards to bitcoin and noster and that the majority of people here even though we have our squabbles are fairly like-minded and are here for a reason but it's a rooster and we yes that's a rooster (laughs) and and we'll have to we'll have to understand that there's there's going to be some patience we're going to be tried a little bit going forward because people that think different than us and that don't uh, align with our particular values on everything are going to be here in our space. And that's something that we'll just have to adapt to. Well, I think, you know, 
maybe not embrace, you know, the convert or maybe the argument and the divisiveness of it, but embrace the fact that we're going to get new members of this planet oh, yeah. on board uh, onto Bitcoin. So I'm going to help start finding the similarities and the things that actually that they, they do have in common to talk about versus immediately looking for the reasons to fight. And I think a lot of that uh, goes away when we uh, we have less algorithms sitting there gaming it and trying to make us fight each other because it's good for the platform. I see, lo- I see a lot of people who have very different views than me on Nostra to have great conversations with. So yeah, I think I we're on the right path, but it, it'll get rocky. I mean, hell, we just uh, we just spent an hour uh, going back and forth, to, much to Bebo's chagrin about uh, likes versus zaps. So even the people who agree can't always agree, but we all agree more than we disagree. And that's the funny thing. Even in the real world, if you want to call it that, in, in our world that's surrounded by media and bullshit in our society where we're all left versus right and pitted against each other, we all have way more in common than we realize. We just don't talk about it. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Jimmy Jimmy Dore and uh, Russell Brand is another one who I think are two people who identify on the left who are both... Yeah, are Russell Brand's good to, shit, though. Yeah, you start, they're starting to understand Bitcoin more and more and... You know, they, they they also get invited onto like Tucker Carlson's shows and whatnot too. Like, whereas they don't even get invited onto like CNN and MSNBC, which is surprising considering they they probably if they told you what side of the aisle they're on, they probably told you they were left to center, right? But they don't get they don't get invited on the liberal media well, shows. Yeah, they get invited they, on the the conservative media shows, right? Because they started to question the narrative, so it's 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 not comfortable. But of course, the other side's going to welcome it because oh look, somebody from over there is questioning the narrative. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right, right. So I guess they're, maybe they're used as a pawn, but you know, it's, it is what it is. But yeah, so I just wanted to state that because I know we kind of started our, our evening off with uh, the left versus right thing. And I thought that was kind of a, a pretty more, uh, someone who's kind of, you know, quasi followed Jimmy Dore for a little bit uh, as he's kind of ventured towards the more anti establishment, maybe towards the more libertarian side uh, as of late. Um, I think it was kind of an important moment to see last night. So I watched. Definitely recommend if uh, you guys are listening, anyone's listening to the show, uh, check it out on YouTube. Just You can probably just Google or YouTube search Jimmy Dore with Max Kaiser. So. Yeah, I'll check it out oh, yeah. if you get a chance. Yeah. So that's about all I got. I know you guys, we wanted to keep it abbreviated. Uh, we're over two hours, so I think I'll stop the recording here and we, we'll call it a night. What do you guys think? Yeah, sounds good to me. Works for me. It's been a good chat.